0: Try not to touch things.
1: Is that is there a reason for that, other than it just is distracting for potential listeners?
0: Yeah, it's just noise. Like, I mean, I imagine, and also for, as a listener, I don't really want to hear these noises <laughs> when somebody's trying to talk.
1: I mean, if they're obnoxious enough, no. But I was just curious, I guess, depending on the format of the podcast, if the setting is supposed to be that it's quiet and you're just hearing people speak then yeah but i mean are there any podcasts that perform or whatever you'd call it record in like an ambient setting like where there's just background noise that again wouldn't be distracting or abrasive but just that you know
0: there are podcasts that have that but i always wonder if it's added in like I that would be kind of they, they add in like a, a mumbled like just people talking to make it sound like this is an interview happening in a cafe or something like that yeah. or if it really is happening in a cafe. Hmm. I don't know. I think they probably record it in a studio and then add, add it in, in like,
1: later see that oh, that's almost worse. I mean whatever <laughs> if you're creating your own show, I guess do what you want to, but
0: because if you actually record in a cafe then it's not going to be a consistent like background noise. It's gonna be quiet moments, loud at moments. There's gonna be somebody yelling, like, "Did you make that espresso for Linda?" Like, in the it's gonna be really like, you know,
1: that's what I I would like about that.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I guess it would take away from the conversation, maybe. That oh, which is better though, like to have a more free flowing conversation that's open to just the different. I don't know, whims of whatever the universe is bringing? Or is it just better to have it quiet and focused so that way the conversation is being led by the two people that are
0: there? I don't know. I mean, the way I've been doing it is that I want to have it so that there's no noise except for the voices talking Mm -hmm. into the microphones. And there's been many episodes where I've failed at that. Not really my fault, but just the environment. Like, this is an apartment where there's not really a lot of noise externally. But some places I've recorded and even at my own, <clears throat> even at my own apartment, it's been like a siren you yeah, know, goes passing. by or there's like birds chirping, which can be a nice thing. But yeah. like,
1: Did I ever tell you about the time here where there were, I don't, not that maybe many people do, but I haven't like called the cops much in my life. But there was one time where I was this close to calling 911 because all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, upstairs all of a sudden i just heard this really loud banging noise like and consistent and steady and it was just really really loud and it wasn't somebody fucking i don't think so i mean i didn't hear any accompanying like moans of pleasure or
0: fucking a corpse
1: well maybe what it sounded like in my head like what i was visualizing was that somebody was taking like a big sack of sand or that salt, like water softener salt, and just throwing it on the ground and picking it up and throwing it. Like that was the only thing in my head at the moment that I was like, "That, that's what that sounds like. Or a dead body maybe. And just over, I have it on my phone, I can show you later, I recorded it just in case. <laughs> Cause I was, then I was kind of keeping my eyes peeled out the window in case I were to see like some guy go out with a trash can, like a bag that looks suspicious. human <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, like right as I was thinking about calling somebody, it stopped.
0: So maybe that was his workout routine of just throwing a bag on the ground. And then he stopped because he realized it was too loud.
1: Maybe. So that was why it only happened once. I was like, well,
0: (laughs) darn it. Can't throw just a big sack of salt on the floor. 10 times.
1: Maybe he got just really mad about something. And that was the way he took it out. Which to be fair, other than the couple of minutes of confusion and worry, it caused me it wasn't hurting anyone
0: yeah so. well it might have been hurting someone. as far as i know <laughs> yeah it might have literally been hurting someone
1: hurting yeah killing someone <laughs> but it makes me think i mean well we've talked about that before i don't know are we starting yet are we just still like testing noises
0: no, i guess i'll include maybe include some of that oh, okay sure we're starting
1: okay let me hold on let me quick turn off that light though
0: Well, um, welcome to the Regular People podcast. I am Wade Allen, as ever, and I'm joined today by Brian. Uh, do you like? I don't remember. Do you like Brian, Orr or do you like just Brian? <laughs>
1: Either one's fine. And both of, both are, are you, my name. Right,
0: you're fine with your last name being publicized. Sure. I think, I think
1: yeah. That's yeah what I the Brian last or Brian John or yes. What's your middle name? I know it, but I don't know it right now. Cameron. I knew it started with the C, Cameron. Yeah. Okay, keep Can. going, sorry. So,
0: uh, yes, today I'm joined by Brian Hoare. Cameron is my mom's maiden name, mm. and now it is her last name again. So it's like, I have, you know, my mom's last name and my dad's last name in my name, which I guess is progressive, you know, it's not just patril- patrilineal, it's matrilineal as well.
1: Do you know what your names mean?
0: Uh, nope.
1: I thought Wade meant to go, otherwise, it might have meant like Ford, which I guess would make sense. Well, yeah, we it literally use. means,
0: yeah, at least in modern usage, yeah, to we can walk look through water. what your
1: name means. I've been doing that with people lately, just curious on if if they know what their names mean and if that at all influences their character at all, whether they know it or not know it. I suppose if, if you didn't know it, it would be more mysterious about how it might influence you, but. That's why I've been curious anyway.
0: I would imagine it wouldn't influence you if you didn't know it. I I still don't know why it would influence you that much if you did know it. Like you're trying to live up to your name, the the meaning of your name. I don't know. Do most names have meanings?
1: I think so. Don't most words? (laughs) Are
0: there any words that just don't mean anything? I guess how many names are just made up words, you know? Yeah. Or how many names have a past history of actually being words and then they became names after they were already words
1: that's a good question that i'm surprised i don't think i've ever asked myself like are there words that exist that just don't have a a meaning to anything well i mean
0: i assume like especially nowadays maybe the past hundred years where like names have become less traditional yeah i imagine most of the new names don't have any meaning because somebody just thought this sound is cool so i'm gonna say so then
1: but doesn't that still mean something and this is maybe it's just it's semantics at that point but like if someone's using a word even if it's just because it sounds cool or it sounds funny or it sounds whatever it's still producing that so then there, the meaning
0: of your name is my mom thought this sounds cool yeah
2: <laughs> you
0: know what i mean like i guess the, otherwise, that's, why the, would that's we... not really like a specific meaning that's like yeah. a because that would be th- then it would be like the name elrond and the name jarnuvius both have the same meaning because they both sound cool or like <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like if they both were, were for the same purpose in the mother or father's mind of I like this name and that's as far as it goes, then they both have the same meaning even though they're different words. So I guess there'd be lots of synonym names.
1: Or it just starts off with because it sounds cool or because it produces a certain emotion and then over enough time, that's how people or enough people decide that it specifically means maybe something else.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I'm wondering too about like older-fashioned names that are in heavy usage that do have meanings, is that how it happened? Like, there, it was a name that was so commonly used that people decided to ascribe a specific meaning to it. Like, this word means loyal. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a name that means that. Or was it that that was actually a word in some language that meant that thing and somebody decided, I'm going to name my child the word for hungry and, <laughs> and use that. And the word for hungry was Jacob or whatever. Like... Which way does it go? Or does it go both ways? and just depends entirely on the name.
1: It's one of the almost maybe everything that confuses me and mystifies me about life and how we find ourselves here. It's like how how the words that we're using with each other and the order and the grammar and just the sounds that we use, like how did that happen? But it happened. And here yeah, we are talking about it. They managed to it.
0: register a meaning in our minds, even though they're just a bunch of sounds.
1: yeah. And at at any point, they must have started out with not meaning anything, but but somebody once said somewhere, this means that thing. Like I use the example with like elephant, like I can say that sound with my face, and then it produces. I'm assuming an image that I would also use for elephant. But at one point, any like before people decided that it was that animal, somebody could have just they could have been using elephant for stove. You know, I mean, they did probably weren't, but anyway, point yeah. is, this is weird.
0: Yeah, that is interesting to think about. And like how, you know, somebody can be speaking in a whole vocabulary of different sounds that means nothing at all to you because it's in a different language, but it could mean something to you in just a couple of years if you decide to dedicate your time to understanding those sounds and what they, what they mean. But also with the point about uh, somebody using the word elephant to mean stove and then a group of people come along and say, No, elephant is referring to this weird animal over here. I imagine, like, what happens then? There must be some sort of clash of the person, like, still wants to use the word elephant to mean stove. So they resist this newfangled term, like, this newfangled way of using the word until, you know, one group outlasts the other. And now nobody's around that uses elephant. To that mean was stove. the first
1: war ever. It was <laughs> elephant versus stove.
0: And, but I actually, you can see that kind of thing happening in, like, I guess a little bit in, like, culture, like, culture wars. And I remember specifically this guy in France that I talked to, he was, like, an older guy, and he was telling me about this. Maybe it's, like, entirely an old person thing or an old man thing even. But he was, like, a, trying to be anyway, a word conservationist where there was, like, the the language, the French language was evolving. and I mean, like, any language it always is, really. And he was trying, he was telling me about how, like, it needs to... You know, like these words should maintain their original meanings. I don't remember exactly his reasoning, but it was interesting to see that, like, you know, people do actually try to resist the morphing of words into new meanings.
1: I can see it both ways, perhaps unsurprisingly, but it's that thing of if words didn't have some sort of staying power, then they would stop meaning meaning. What they meant because if they if the definition was always changing then what's the point of having the word meaning something yeah at the same po- point or at the same time i forget if we've talked about this just together or even if it was brought up in another conversation but i think it's useful of like the purpose that slang is always changing is because words lose their emotional power with new generations of people so they have to change the words that they use to match the emotions they're feeling because when they hear their parents use certain words that are trying to mean the same thing as the kids are feeling, there's a disconnect. So like when their parents are doing what the parents think is cool and they're like, this is so cool. The kid's like, that is not cool. So I have to use a different word to describe what I think is cool. You know what I mean? So again, I get why words should stay or why an argument could be made for like don't change the definitions of words but i get why they do
0: yeah it strikes me now that i think we did talk about words and the meaning of words the last time
1: oh yeah well it's been a while (laughs) and
0: and i I wasn't even thinking of that and i'm sure neither were you so it's what's interesting to me is that with a certain person you can come back to the same topics and it's like with what is it about the relationship with that person that would make these topics like, like perennial topics. Yeah, They're like you know, if you go see your brother, like maybe you don't talk about every time, but like over the years, you notice there's like themes that come up with, with that you between you and that person. And I see that in my own relationships, and I see that with you. Mm-hmm. Of like, there are themes that we discuss. That yeah, there's always some amount of overlap with any two conversations with like different people. Of like, we might talk about something, and I might talk about that with someone else but like if you bundled all of the concepts and ideas that like you talk about with any one person you would start to form a kind of like a map of stronger connections like thicker lines being formed about this concept between that person or that person and you would see like oh i have these different relationships that correspond to different concepts
1: mm. would you say that ours cluster around anything in particular
0: i don't know about any one thing like until i talk about like meanings Of things several times, and like, yeah, generalizations and change. And also, one thing that definitely comes up a lot is contradiction Mm. and uh, like middle ground.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a recurring theme now in my life, and probably will be forever since discovering in my way of thinking, just like the wisdom of the, the Tao, the Tao, the Tao. Yeah. And just that the extremes exist and that in some sense the universe can be thought of like a constant interplay of all these opposites. And that maybe the the best or the most, I don't know if useful is the right word, but like the best way of being is just to figure out like in any of the situations where all of these things are interplaying, like what's the most, I don't know. It's just like, what's the best way of being? Like what's the best way to balance them all? But anyway, Hmm. yeah.
0: I do have one more thought on the meaning of words and the um, culture clash of resisting the change of word meanings or embracing the change. And it's one thing that I feel like I've been thinking about over the past several years, but I don't know if I've said to you, and I don't think I've said on, on a podcast anyway, is one case where I do see this kind of crystallized of people fighting over new meaning or old meaning is when it comes to... Words that are of all like words that are around sex and gender, like male, female, or man, woman, or boy, girl. Because then for me, I'm thinking, is the are these words are they sex based words or are they gender based words? And for the longest time, it seems like maybe probably also because like sex and gender were considered essentially the same thing for a long time, not quite, but they're very interlinked, or that all these words, man, female or male, female, man, man, woman, who are sex-based. And now there's a strong push towards making them be Mm gender-based. And not in all cases, but in a lot of ways of people disagreeing about gender identities or trans or any sort of changes in how we talk about these things. I feel like some of it is a resistance to, at least on my part anyway, a resistance to these words being gender-based in favor of them being sex-based words or at the very least the confusion of a trade-off or a seeming non-stable or non-concrete decision between is this word sex-based or gender-based because I hear personally a lot of people all over the political spectrum use the words man, woman, female, male to be sex-based in one time they say it and gender-based in another time they say it so then it just makes everything confused of like what it actually is standing for here, which I think only feeds into the conflict of like gender identities in the first place.
1: So when you use the terms sex and gender separately, do you have separate meanings to them in your vocabulary?
0: Well, I think like the term sex and gender, I do like, you know, sex would be biological in nature and gender. I guess I'm fine with adopting or the, the idea of, you know, how you present yourself in terms of cultural norms. Masculine gender is the one that fits under the box of stereotypical masculine behavior, and then vice versa. So then the thing that I'm specifically talking about is when you use a word like boy, are you referring to biology there or are you referring to cultural norms? And then it's not, people don't use these words like boy or man or female or male. They don't use those words to always refer to either sex or always refer to gender. It, it switches around. So it makes it hard to basically know what people are saying unless you ask, ask them every single time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So then if someone were to ask you, like, what is your sex? What is your gender? Would you have different answers for those?
0: Me? No. Okay. But like, I'm sure other people would.
1: Oh, well, nowadays I'm sure they would.
0: Because I would be cisgendered, you know? So my, my gender matches my sex hmm. obviously it's i think silly to say that you like fit completely into the whatever the cultural norm is of masculinity yeah because i don't and i don't know how many people do
1: well and this might be another area of many where my personal feeling is that a lot of folks are just talking past each other
0: yeah that's that's basically right. what i'm right. like saying people are using these words in different ways so in their argument they're not even actually achieving anything because yeah. they're they're not getting to the bottom of Basically they the semantics is in the way. Or like yeah. the, the the meaning that they're trying to get across.
1: And I guess I'm trying to think how to present this idea. I on one hand try to be empathetic to a person's striving to discover what their identity is. On the other hand, I also wonder if the culture that we're in is doing a great job of like navigating that only because And this might be where people are talking past at each other, contributing to the problem. But I can appreciate that certain people or a certain group of people are upset or sort of look at the current state of the culture when it comes to gender and sex identity and and sort of, and I maybe would fall more in this camp, but not entirely, of looking at it and just being like very overwhelmed with the idea that there are now 7,000 different gender identities or different pronouns that people can use. And I guess maybe what it comes down to for me is that the way that maybe I'm trying to conceptualize this is that when it comes to sex, like they're being male and female. And to be fair, there are also, I mean, it's pretty, a pretty low percentage as far as I understand, but it's there intersex. are yeah sex. people that are born with sort of a mix or a, you know, it's yeah. not as clearly defined. Or
0: they have like three, uh, yeah. like X, X, Y.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, I am completely on board with the idea that just because you're born either male or female does not in any way indicate what your personality will become. Yeah. Or like and,
0: how you have to portray yourself. Right. Yeah. And I
1: think that maybe to me is like, what is at the core of this is that like every, in my opinion, every individual person has the potential to present differently than any other individual person. Yeah. And to try to come up with like 10,000 different ways of classifying that to me is in some sense sort of missing the point or it's like a fruitless endeavor because at the end of the day, you're just going to end up with at the individual level anyway. So it's like to me, I'm not I don't know if I'm right, but it's just like maybe it's useful to have. Well, we, we, don't, we don't maybe have to keep it binary, but like uh, a more simple system. And then in the system, you can recognize that there is a tremendous amount of variability and that, I don't know, like where it kind of gets weird to me. And again, maybe this is just because I am i don't find myself in the shoes of someone that's going through it, is if I didn't feel like, I, like my sex matched my gender, like what role do other people have in participating in that with me or or to the extent that i even know like what's going on with me which i again appreciate that that's maybe someone in that position is trying to figure out but i don't know there's a lot to this thing but what i what i do value in it i really at the end of the day is that i appreciate that it's something like humans trying to figure out themselves the way that we're doing it i don't know if it's like all going great (laughs) but we're trying i think
0: it prompts two things, and hopefully, I'll remember both of them as I speak. Yeah, um, pen
1: and paper. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the the first one is I think that because of well, not maybe not entirely, but partially because of what I was saying about is a pronoun referring to sex or gender. If you ask, you know, a person that's politically left, they'll say gender. If you ask a person that's politically right, they might say sex. So you're approaching a word from two different angles. So I feel like because of these misunderstandings or non-agreement about the usage of words, it can become very easy to misunderstand or like, you know, straw man, the opposite side, no matter what side you're on. Because from my perspective, for people that have talked to me, it kind of seems like both sides think the other side is misunderstanding or both sides thinks the other side is in disagreement with science. Because mm-hmm. it's it's like the, you know, stereotypical conservative perspective would be, these people think that they can literally change their bio- biology. Mm. That's crazy. Because because they're using a sex-based, you know, pronoun situation. At least the, I think so a lot of the time. And the other people are are like thinking like, oh, the conservatives like, you know, want me to want to put me in a box and don't want anybody to, you know, express their individuality. Mm. And like they hate they hate me for it. And I don't know if either either side of that is really true. Mm. I think it's I feel like I've see, I've been seeing more messaging along the lines of, no, like, nobody thinks, like, from the left, anyway, like, no, nobody thinks that you can change your biology to, like, clear that up, but I feel like, especially in, like, 2015 or 16, it wasn't clear, like, what people were actually saying about their identity, like, if they were really saying they can change their literal biology or not, or if it's just about expression as the societal norms, whether you agree with, you fit into them or not, so maybe it's clearing up but
1: people are trying to change their biology though aren't they? I mean isn't that what they're doing when they get sex change operations or take hormone therapy?
0: Yeah, that is actually one thing that I find interesting and wonder why it's done because that is another case where it seems to, the, the ideas seem to conflict of like if it's a change of gender in how you present yourself in in terms of are you going to be more stereotypically f- feminine or masculine? How does your bio or like your body in like your organs, how does that come into play with mm-hmm. presenting as more feminine? Like if you are a male as in, you know, chromosomes, you have X, Y, but you want to present because, you know, you feel it as your identity, you want to present feminine. I don't really see the connection there between needing like why there's the needs to get a boob job.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it doesn't make sense to me, but I try to be as open as I can to learning. I mean, there's still a lot that I disagree with in the conversation that I hear, but as long as I still go back to that idea, at least for me to try to make sense of it, of we're trying to figure out our identity. And part of me wonders too, this might not be true, but have we solved so many of life's really hard problems, at least as far as surviving that like, these are the issues that we've, sort of been coming up for ourselves to sort of keep us busy. And I know that it's not just that, of course, but, or maybe... There's all sorts
0: of layers of problems, like, in society that can happen at once. And it
1: might be a part of our evolution. It's like, now that we have sort of... It's interesting, this, maybe I've thought about this, but it's like clicking in my head of, like, maybe it was the case that as we were hunters and gatherers and evolving through time, that it was extremely useful for the survival of our species to sort of designate itself like bind in a binary yep. that having a, a man with male traits and woman with female traits was really useful to survive and then now that we've gotten to this point where surviving is more or less much easier than it used to be like the human psyche is is starting to explore that oh like we can it doesn't have to be those two things and it can start evolving or changing um i know for me at least just with where i'm at in my life and i could change my thinking here too is just to me, it seems clear that there is a biological component, certainly to sex, like there are males and females right. and that that tends to come with certain traits. But where I maybe part then with certain people that would agree with that first part is that I by no means think that that has to translate into behaving a certain way necessarily right, yeah. is, you know, because we've used the example before where I certainly can acknowledge that there are more masculine females or more feminine males, but that right. doesn't take away the fact that their biological sex is what it is Yeah, to me.
0: And I guess like with what I was saying about a, a biological male getting a boob job, like I think you're free to do that and do whatever you want, but it does muddle the idea of what, whatever, you know, culture is deciding upon or like the, the conflict of, are you trying to change your sex or your gender or your mm-hmm. gender? Like it just it just makes it more confusing of yeah. what is the claim here, what is being being changed, yeah, and what is not.
2: Well,
1: and something that I at least on a personal level find very disturbing, and I don't have a solution for it necessarily, is just the that the messaging that a lot of children are getting, and that if certain children express their identity as being anything other than in line with what has been commonly agreed upon as the the sex that they are there's the at least in my view or the way I see things like there's a push to at least not discourage them from like changing their actual sex identity then like it's almost both like there are kids that are like pretty young kids that then are pressured into or are again at least not discouraged from like changing into the
0: opposite yeah I don't know like how much they're pressured into it I mean maybe as like an ambient societal thing I don't know if there's individuals in their life that are pressuring them into it, but yeah, you're probably right that there's not people that are discouraging it because you want to be accepting of whatever your child does. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think that it's probably the case that the claims of, you know, sexuality and gender being taught to... kindergartners or whatever is over is inflated like i don't know how many kindergarten classrooms have that in their curriculum whatsoever
1: right and i wonder too because you obviously hear stories of it but you hear stories of a lot of times the things that are the outliers or the ones that stand out i mean just because they are outliers or things that stand out doesn't mean they're not important but yeah i wonder the same thing i mean i guess at the end of the day what i always come back to is just if i was in that situation what would i do And if I knew that my, if I had a kid and they were in a classroom that that was being taught, I guess it would always depend on how it was being taught. But yeah, I don't know that kindergartners need to be involving themselves with all of that yet.
0: Yeah, I don't think they are. And I also wonder about how it's being taught because I can't imagine, I mean, I guess teachers can, a lot of cases do what they want. You know, you've got the, the biology teacher who is teaching you because they're a Christian that this isn't actually literally true, but I have to teach this because, you know, or else I, like, so they, they, they kind of heavily signal the idea that, you know, evolution isn't real while teaching you evolution. There, it could be that kind of thing going on with sexuality or whatever, but I still do find it a little bit hard to believe that any teachers would be teaching about sex and gender in any way that's not, not just informative. Like, I imagine you would inform kids of, I don't know, whenever you start sex ed, that there are such things as, you know, multiple or like not different gender identities but i think it would be strange and i would want to see like actual proof of this that any teacher is like trying to influence the children to adopt those different gender identities or like trying to actually change the kids rather than just informing of them of the state of society and how people are living mm-hmm. their lives
1: but... i'd have to go find it i mean my feeling is that i've seen it that it is out there but again to what prevalence and to what extent is it true um, there was something I was gonna say on that point, but it's slipping from me. okay. Like, anyway, was there anything else we had to talk about? Yeah, I had one
0: here? other thing that I wanted to say, and this kind of le- leads up to it because I wonder because there's definitely it's definitely true that changes in society on like a macro scale influence individuals of like how they see themselves and how what the decisions they make and like how they want to live their lives. I'm sure that when the Indiana Jones movie The first one came out, there was probably a noticeable increase in the amount of kids who said they wanted to be archaeologists Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Like, you know, when we land on the moon, there's probably an increase in interest in being an astronaut and things like that. So when you see more, you know, just more prevalence through movies or TV shows or whatever of people having, you know, a non-cisgender that like that would increase the amount of people that then go and feel that way themselves. So then, I wonder how to what extent, and that not just about gender identity, but really about life choices and just identity in general of like who you think you are. How much of it is attributed to society at large influencing you, and how much of it, if any at all, is entirely like from within or like Mm -hmm. who you really are, if that even means anything. Mm.
1: I think it does, but yeah, I don't know, like to what level either one.
0: Yeah, like if you with the same biology same body same brain we're just put or raised in a different context a different society or a different time like how different would you end up being just because of the ideas of the culture that you live in you know i so i I don't know how much of the people who are getting sex change surgeries how much of that is coming from within or how much of that is coming from without
2: Mm
1: -hmm. that's a good question
0: So then the point that I was, not the point, the thing that I wanted to say that was my second idea that I mentioned earlier was that um, I've been thinking lately about just like the concept of identity and who has, you mentioned this a little bit, but like who is in charge of what you would identify as? Like, Because on some level it would make sense to say I'm in charge of how I identify myself, like how I identify. But also on a different level that doesn't make any sense. Like there needs to be some sort of, maybe mixture of who's in charge because where
1: where the Tao comes in again, right? It's not just you. It's not just, it doesn't make sense for
0: me to identify as whatever I I feel like, because if I want to identify as a doctor and, you know, I'm literally not qualified to be a doctor, I would get sued for that. And that's like what happens. People pass themselves off as doctors and unsuspecting people come in to get like chakra Mm -hmm. treatments under the impression that this person has like an actual medical certificate when they don't. Um, so it's like that is something that like is against the law for you to misidentify yourself, and then like, not even just with like a profession, but like if I want to identify as all sorts of things, a lot of them are crazy, or a lot of them literally aren't true. But then there's other things where it's like that's completely accepted, you know, like if I want to identify myself as an introvert, nobody's gonna like say no you're not introverted you're not allowed to identify yourself as that so there's like a range of all sorts of identification labels that you could put on these things that some are entirely up to the individual and some are agreed upon by society mm-hmm. so i wonder where like gender identity fits into that like does it make sense entirely for every individual to completely decide on their own what gender they are or does a lot of it come down to how everybody else sees them
2: mm-hmm
1: What would you say, like, so say for instance, you identify presumably as Wade, right?
0: Right. Yeah, changing names, that's another.
1: Names too, yeah. We mentioned that earlier. So here's one line of thinking. It's where I can understand why people that are heavily critical of a lot of this stuff are coming from when they say it's kind of like what we talked about at the beginning. If like, if words don't mean anything, then what's the point of using them? Or if they're so frivolous, then like, what's the point of trying to identify as a, as that, if it's just going to change where, you know, you pointed out that, well, there are certain things that are obviously literally true that you wouldn't be able to just identify without people seeing as ridiculous. But I think that is what people that are critical of, of, of,
0: Right, that's the the attitude that someone further right than me would take on. If I were to call myself a she or a female, like they would, they would think of that the same way as me calling myself a doctor,
1: like a tea kettle or something, or or, yeah, like like if you're just like if it if you can identify as anything and it's just based on how you're feeling in the moment, then and again, like what role do they have in participating in that with you? And that's where I really don't have the answer. I don't know and what was the answer for a long time was the system that we had where there were males and females and he's and she's and like i think the way that i think is trying to boil things down into like practical real life examples so like say for instance we do we lived in a world where we started adopting you know however like 70 whatever pronouns it is is it my responsibility then like every time i meet someone like is that how you'd always have to like bring that up right away and then you'd have to memorize that for everyone or would we all wear like certain name tags or you know what i mean because like how else would you know and then if it's as offensive as it can sometimes be portrayed if you get it wrong you know what i mean like it just it's any system is going to have its flaws or its uh, potential for like faux pas or something but like there's like a practical utility in me in keeping it simpler that being said I also can see the point that depending on how like what you were saying earlier how you define those things or if you conflate gender and sex that people would walk around with that label and feel that they're being misrepresented or something so yeah I mean I guess I still don't know what the answer would be on how to like remedy that other than Maybe what we were kind of doing, at least to me, of recognizing that maybe we can keep sex simple, but keep identity very complex, even so complex that don't even try to maybe label it a certain way because it's just going to come down to you. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, that would just be a way. I don't know if it's the way.
0: Yeah. This makes me think of two things. One of them I think we've talked about a little bit before, as so I'll mention it briefly, is like when it comes to art or like a story... A movie let's say like who decides the meaning of it mm. there's the person who created it who probably had a vision for and to them like a meaning of like what they were portraying with this story but then the person the viewer comes along and they might get a different message from it and like are they both right is it that the viewer who you know thinks that the frequency of the color blue was actually signaling that the main character is depressed and that is not the intention of the director at all. Like, is the viewer just wrong there? So really the meaning comes down to the, the owner of the work or like, does the populace contribute to what the thing means? And I'm sure it's some amount of both. Yeah. Powerful. So then I th- maybe that leads me to thinking that like, with a, like individual identity, it maybe it's too much for it to come down to the individual. And it's also maybe too much like how it was 200 years ago. For the individual to not have a say at all in what their identity is, so there's probably some amount of balance to be had there. And mm-hmm. the other thing that makes me think of is religion as an example of this, because I could, truthfully, at least I could feel it in my mind that I'm a Catholic, let's say, but you could be a Catholic and you could see how I don't like, go to church, or maybe I don't even follow some of the like I don't I don't really care about a lot of the like orthopraxy of being a Catholic. But I, I use the label Catholic. So you might think that I'm not really a Catholic mm-hmm. because I don't, you know, donate any, I don't like do the good works and I don't exhibit as a Catholic typically does. So does that make me not a Catholic? Or am I a Catholic and you just are an asshole for thinking I'm not? Mm.
1: It's a good way of actually just like transitioning the thinking about it, at least to me, because, and maybe this speaks to what, I think you said at the very beginning, or we both said just that it is almost a boiling down of just a difference in semantics, like the way that we're speaking. But that's where I think maybe the big problem is with where we're at is we're just trying to figure out what to do about that. Because what if it is the case that it's not just this, but what if there were two different groups of people that literally just don't agree on what the definition of something is? Yeah. Well, we said at the beginning, too, at the other example... What's the answer? Is it war and then people just fighting it out until there's no more people that don't think that you do. I mean I, I really deep down in my idealistic heart hope that there's a different outcome than that. but then what is it is that we can agree to have different interpretations and and live together as long as what I mean certain fundamental values aren't infringed upon but for the for I think that's why maybe it's coming to a head the way that it is now is because those values are so fundamental to people.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be literally war. Like, it could be, you know, the the war of ideas. Or, what I think is interesting, it could be something that has nothing to do with the ideas or the concepts themselves. Like, for instance, the person who uses the word elephant to mean stove, and the person who uses the word elephant to mean the animal. It could be that the stove person, the stove group, the, the idea died out because of completely unrelated factors of this the the animal elephant people were just more successful you know in the gene pool like they had more children and they you know spread their genes more so that any other people didn't as successfully so over the course of 2000 years the stove people dwindled and dwindled and it wasn't through any violence and it wasn't even through any spreading of ideas it wasn't through convincing anyone to use the alternate word of meaning of elephant it's just so that that makes me wonder like how many ideas and concepts and how much of culture that we have is actually decided not even by the ideas themselves but just the success of the people who hold those ideas
1: well but what if the success of the people that hold those ideas are here because something in the ideas caused them to be successful you know what i mean and that's where i don't know and i i the phrase that comes to mind that I know modern people are largely critical of is like, might is right. Like, you know, just because something is strong doesn't necessarily mean it's maybe the best. But it is interesting, at least for me to think about just as an idea that, like, what if it is the case that the things that survive, at least to some extent, are surviving because they're providing some truth. And it might not be the whole truth. (laughs) It might not be nothing but the truth. So, oh my (laughs) God. But you know what I mean? Because it's like, so in a weird way, that almost gives me not comfort, maybe comfort, that like nature, whatever nature is, or the course of nature will figure it out on its own because right. it won't persist if it's truly wrong. That actually just gave me kind of things because like goosebumps, just because maybe there's something to that. And maybe it's like a playing the long game, because certainly you can look at a graph and see where that is not always the case, that there are certain Things that, well, at least maybe to us seem ob- objectively wrong, assuming there is even such a thing, but like where it kind of goes up and down, but like largely is going up. Yeah. So like maybe nature in all of its wisdom or beauty or something is like, is like pushing us towards the ultimate fruition of, of the good or the the best. And it's just because we're imperfect and because there's a lot of mistakes along the way, it just, it, it's going to be messy. <laughs> yeah.
0: But This is memetics, basically, you know, just the competition of memes, of of ideas, like like how genes compete. And it is interesting to think about, but I think there's, like, so many confounding variables that it's hard to even know. It's maybe impossible to know, but it's also, like, hard for the memes themselves, if they, you know, if they were thinking creatures or even creatures at all, to know that they are the ones who are causing the success. Because if you have an idea... The problem is, it's not just the one idea that the organism has. They have, like, thousands of ideas. So they could be more successful because of a handful of those ideas, but which ones? Mm -hmm. And then it could be that a ton of their ideas are actually detrimental, but that those detriments are outweighed by a few of the ideas' pros, Mm -hmm. basically. So it could be that the elephant animal group was better because of their ideas than the elephant stove group, but it wasn't because of the elephant idea. It could be because of a different idea that they had. Yeah. Yeah. But it
1: came along and maybe it's coming, like, is it coming along for a reason or not? Or in another way of thinking about it is just, is the universe some grand experiment? And this is just playing out how it is. And, but that's still like, maybe this is just because we're humans and we're trying to put meaning on things. And I personally think that there maybe is ultimate meaning deep down. I have no idea. Maybe there's not, but the fact that what's persisting is still here might mean something. But I'm fully aware that it might also not. But it's, I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. Because like, what would it mean if it wasn't? Like,
0: Well, we, we won't st- it be? We, <laughs> I may be losing the thread of where we're at. W- won't it be non-existent eventually, though? well so if it means something it for it to exist now but it won't exist at a future point yeah. then where's the ultimacy of this meaning
1: yeah, and, i don't know and just and just living it in the now that's maybe where it gets more eastern philosophy but yeah wouldn't when
0: whatever meaning this yeah. this has wouldn't it be <laughs> transient yeah if it's maybe, a, if but, it's attached to the fact that
1: it's and something maybe that's exists. the point yeah is that it's all just like the point of it is just to experience it whatever it is and yeah. just see what happens then maybe like, I don't know. Oh God. I don't know. <laughs> I have a list of like 40 things and we, oh, haven't, yeah. and we haven't gotten to any of them yet, That's fine. which is great. But, um,
0: yeah. Um, what go down your list? Well, well you don't have to go down. The list, well, I was just, just going to ask, up up w- one of the was things. there
1: anything else that we've been talking about so far that you had to say? I I'm well now. Okay. Let me sure. Allow you to answer that first.
0: Um, I feel like there's always things that I could say, (laughs) but nothing that's like pressing that I feel like I need to get
2: out. So we can move on to. Well,
1: one of the things that is in my head now, since you mentioned it earlier of like being with certain people and that maybe making sense that it would like light up certain areas or certain clusters of things. Right. Like, I'm just curious about like, what clusters do I have with you versus other people? So then one of the questions that came to my mind, if we would even know how to answer it. Like, is there anything that you and I haven't ever discussed? Like, oh, is there, there like, be. like, is there any cluster of ideas that we just have never touched? And of course there must be, but like, I guess maybe another way of asking is, are there any that we would both find interesting that we just like the other person's point of view? Cause like, certainly we've never talked about, I don't know, like kitchen knives or something like, Oh, like you, ever, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like dish towels, but maybe we wouldn't have anything interesting <laughs> to say about them unless you do. But I'm thinking like, oh man, is there any territory of ideas or life or existence that I haven't asked Wade about that I would want to?
0: I imagine there is, and it'd be more like a blind spot thing. Yeah. Where you can't no, think of You don't thing. know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. But it is interesting to me. Like, I guess because I was imagining this like a map of like nodes that are connected by lines yeah. and these lines get more intense with the frequency that they come up and then that's an indication of like who this person is the the things that they think about the most which right. then they would naturally bring up with other people yeah and yeah i think those things would be different for other people so like i don't know you you don't bring up current politics mm. so it's like that is something that you don't really care about you care about more like ideas or like everlasting yeah, concepts the themes, or yeah. like the human condition or mm. you know the psyche things like that Um, where somebody else that i might talk to maybe always brings up current politics so like that is a much more stronger concept that relates to that person and not to you Mm -hmm. so it gives it's basically this like imaginary map that i'm thinking of is a way to conceptualize people or like i guess the memes they carry i don't know so that's interesting but then like things that we've never talked about that would be interesting if we did talk about them i feel like surely they must exist but just because of the nature of like the things you care about most are the things that you're going to be talking about most. It's probably like these things are overlooked, even if they would be interesting because there's so much to say, even if it's repetitive, there's so much to say yeah. about the things that Which you're almost most invested it has in. has
1: been to some extent, but yet I enjoy it every time. See, that's the interesting thing to me.
0: Well, I think I'm just going to stop saying this at this point, like we've talked about before. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like it's the, the comfort of rereading a book or mm. watching a movie you've already seen. It's like, it's good to have repetitiveness in your relationships or in the ideas that come up within those relationships every once in a while. I don't know why, maybe it's like nostalgia or maybe it's like a reification of the relationship itself. Like an anchor point or something. Yeah. If in my, if in this map of people that I talk to, Brian stands for something, then I kind of want to these ideas that are common to come up with Brian, because that'll make me feel like this is Brian, you know, Mm -hmm. like it'll it'll give me more I don't know feeling that it is you that I'm talking to and like a re-meeting
1: yeah it uh, makes me think of a few things the first one is a quote I brought up with another friend of mine the other day where I agree with everything that you just said and at the same time one of the reasons why I enjoy rereading books is because of that quote that's something like um, a man never steps into the same river twice because right. it's never yes. the same water and he's never the same man. Yeah. So it's was oh, that the full quote? I think something like that. Okay. In
0: my book of quotes, I just have a man never steps in the same river twice. And that's oh, okay. It. But okay, that's good to know. Well,
1: anyway, but it's that idea that like yeah. we're always seeing things. It's like, I always go back to that um, <laughs> that scene from the movie Bridesmaids, where the main character Annie has a best friend that's getting married and then the best friend that's getting married has like a new best friend mm-hmm. helen and i forget the best friend's name i guess i, didn't I don't remember her. i've only seen the movie once. anyway but like they're like meeting for tennis and they're just it, they're navigating that dynamic of like the one friend that's known her for a really long time but like the new best friend and they're talking about like isn't it great how like you just get to know someone and it's like yeah you know <laughs> getting to know them when like they're a new person and like well i think if you're I think you're always kind of the same. I, th- I think we're always growing and changing. Yeah, they're just like, completely. yeah, but we're always growing, but into the person that we always were. And like, just <laughs> they're like trying to justify why, anyway. Yeah, they're both, they're, they're like trying the to not friend. argue,
0: but then they're arguing at the yeah. same time.
1: Yeah. yeah, go watch the scene; it's funny. It's pretty funny. Um, anyway, so I feel like that's kind of like what we're talking about, because right, like on the one hand, the reason why I know you to the extent that i do or still invite you over to talk and that is because i have this idea of you in my head that is more or less at least in theory the same like that you're going to be sort of the same person that's coming through my door because this is the extreme but if you were someone that walked through my door and just started beating the shit out of me (laughs) like that would be so counter to what i would you know what i mean what what you are or who you are in my in to me so, yeah, like there is some level of like meeting with people again for that. It, it, it Comfort, again, isn't necessarily the right word, but familiarity maybe. But at the same time, what's exciting about a relationship is that it almost is that conversation between Annie and Helen that like. We're the same people, but like we are still growing, like we yeah. are still changing, we're evolving, and hopefully maybe becoming better. And to get to like share in that with someone is really exciting, while still recognizing that like oh, but like Wade is still Wade though. Yeah, he's just like a better, more advanced Wade.
0: I no, I agree. It's it's definitely both things. There's that that's comfort or nostalgia or like reification of the, of the person of coming across the same ideas. Oh, these are, these are the concepts Brian likes to talk about. But then also, yeah, I agree, because, like, you read a book, you find new things in the book. So it's like mm-hmm. you're finding newness, you're finding intricacies and nuances in the things that you already, for the most part, know yeah. about the person. So by, by bringing it up again, naturally, you're not you're not forcing, you're not like, tell me, tell me more about the thing that you told me last time. It's just, it always happens. It's like, even though it's, in some ways, can be repetitive, it's also there is a difference it's like the 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 thai people have a saying same same but different Mm. and i guess it's kind of like that one thing though i had one of those moments where like the the lights (laughs) go on um that you said about me just coming and beating the shit out of you
1: (laughs) oh great i'm glad that led something
0: (laughs) up (laughs) is that what trauma is And I'm not saying beating the shit out of you. I'm saying... Encountering someone so different than... Like, yeah, drastic change that you were unequipped to prepare for. Like, you you weren't weren't prepared for. Like, yeah, if you've known me for 20 years, and all of a sudden I do something so drastically different, like, is that trauma? Is that what scars you?
1: It's certainly a... But yeah, a big part of it.
0: So it's like, you know, your mother figure or whatever, you for a little while have been getting comfort from her and that's all you expect from her. And then all of a sudden she locks you in a room for Mm -hmm. a day. And then that traumatizes you because it's so such a departure from your previous relationship that you Mm -hmm.
1: had. Yeah, I would agree. I would consider that traumatic.
0: Well, yeah, but I'm wondering, like, not like, is that a trauma, but is that like fundamentally trauma?
1: Yeah, that idea, I think so, that if you... So then I'm trying to think, though, because that assumes that the thing that hurt you wasn't necessarily the thing itself, but yep. how you thought about it or like how yeah, you conceptualized or it, it. But certainly the thing can still hurt you. But but I think you're right. Like maybe the more harmful thing or the thing that sticks with you that like changes you is just the fact that like it's it's your paradigm changing. Like, you. yeah, really... like the sudden intense change, because
0: yeah. a lot of like trauma is obviously like horrible, like mm-hmm. beatings and what rape and like neglect and whatnot but there's also a lot of like trauma or like persistent changes that happen within you and that make you feel uncomfortable and bad that aren't like obviously bad like culture shock like Mm -hmm. you're raised in an environment that's homogenous for 20 years and then you travel somewhere else and it's completely different and you feel like homesick and like lost and like i feel like that perhaps in in this thinking of the word trauma could be described as a trauma Mm -hmm. especially how like it does have a lasting impact on you and like that this complete divergence from the culture you've ever known like suddenly jumping headfirst into a new one is going to have probably a lifelong effect
1: what's interesting to me then is how much your attitude plays into it and maybe that's like where therapy comes in and trying to help or heal after the fact is like changing the story about it yeah so it's almost like if you can change your story you can almost change what happened because you know if somebody comes in and beats the crap out of you and breaks your arm you know your arm might heal and it might still have scars which i guess is you know another proof that it happened but but you know your arm heals maybe however long it takes for arms to heal but the 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 trauma the thing that can hurt more is just the the broken trust or the the realization that wow i i did not see that coming or that just it it broke something that was more like almost fundamental to you than like the bone that was broken. Yeah. And then in trying to heal that or fix that, that's, it's more psychological. So again, to me, that just goes back to like the importance of the stories that we tell ourselves, but there's something really encouraging about that to me. And that like, maybe the sooner or the, the more like viscerally you realize that, Oh my God, like I have a say in the experience of my life, the more you can use it. Um, and that maybe leads into something we've definitely talked about before with like being the dreamer and all of this, like realizing right. that, oh, my God, like I have power here. And that's something I've changed my mind about more in recent years. Definitely is like just the the power of the the mind and the power of the individual. And like, don't get me wrong, there might be many things that are outside of our control. But I think Viktor Frankl has a quote that says something like everything can be taken from a man accept um, the last of human freedoms, like the ability to choose one's own way in any given set of circumstances. That's not the exact quote, but it's something like that. And I don't know. I just, if nothing else, it seems to be a useful way of looking at the world rather than maybe gnashing your teeth and succumbing to like despair. But but maybe there's a time and place for that. (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) It's interesting to me too, because yeah, beliefs and your outlook on things definitely, changes your like your story changes how you feel about it and the life you live and that can like go both ways you know it can be good and bad you can use that to overcome trauma and then you can also use that to invent trauma mm. like i i feel like maybe if you asked me two years ago i would have been pretty much all for therapy just like people in general going to a therapist now i feel like i'm much more reluctant to to say that like i feel mm-hmm. like I'm not so sure therapy is a good thing, or at least always a good thing. Or mm. I feel like it's a drastic mix, maybe even 50-50, good or bad. Mm. Because not not just for this reason, but this is an example, I suppose. And it goes along with the story altering your perception. Is like there's cases, plenty of them, where you can induce, especially through like... A, hypnotism you can induce a person believing a story a thing that happened to them that didn't really happen to them you can fabricate memories and ideas and then this will actually get the person to like change like emotionally like Mm. you you can get them to feel like they were traumatized when really they never were and now it's essentially they might as well have been traumatized Mm. because they think they were Mm. so strongly that they've yeah traumatized themselves through through belief
1: to me that's how would i put this it reinforces to me that something about it is quote unquote true though. And what I mean is that I sort of see all of life or a lot of life just as, as utilization of tools and like any tool it can be used for good or for bad or however you want to categorize it. But, but the fact that you can use it either way shows that there's something to it. So then the morality or the, the thing that we have to try to hold ourselves accountable to is is how it's not you know what i mean so like for an example when you were talking about therapy it made me think of like massage therapy which technically i'm trained in and i i feel exactly the same way that the thing that can make or break the experience is the therapist itself and certainly the the client themselves too but like you can have a really great therapist, or one that really does not w- know what they're doing, and that can actually hurt you. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that massage therapy is not something to be done. It just means that you have to have someone that really knows what they're doing, and that again, you have that trust with for whatever any of that's worth. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what it is; it's how we use it.
0: Yeah, my views on therapy have gone more from good to more from you know yeah it depends
1: yeah find your find a good therapist or find someone that you can talk to
0: so what did you have on your list of 40 ideas well before
1: we even get to that there's one other thing and maybe we've touched on this a little bit before but i'm fascinated with eureka moments yeah like things like those times when it
0: clicks yeah that's like that's what you live for i feel like so
1: yeah well it's certainly one of them so For you, who's someone else other than me, as far as I know, (laughs) like, do you feel it in a particular place, like in your body, or
0: like, like, how does it manifest for you? Um, that's a good question. I feel like sometimes you get like the body shivers, yeah, which is cool, but I don't think there's like a specific section of the body that I feel. In. like not what, a raging erection or
2: anything. <laughs> yeah or like
0: a part of my brain like the right side of my brain like lights up it's like <laughs> i don't know it's just a moment of clarity a like i feel like energized mm-hmm. like a shot of like adrenaline in that moment or like dopamine too because it, it's like uh feels good but it's like a whole body thing i guess mm-hmm. rather than any specific part
1: and what do we suppose if anything? triggers it like what is the thing that causes it
0: i would imagine like f- physiologically like physically speaking it's probably a lot of neurons going off at the same time more than usual okay maybe like uh, in- across the whole brain or like a wide swath of the brain like just neuron firings where normally they're more eclectic and not happening all the time it's just like one like poof, of yeah. like all these neurons at once that's i don't know what it i would guess is happening okay So it's just like a, it's almost like a miniature brain reset of just like, like all of your neurons were, not all of them literally, but like, you know, a larger amount of them than normal are working towards one idea rather than like, I feel like normally you're kind of thinking of all sorts of things. Like you're perceiving your surroundings and you've got multiple ideas going on at the same time. It's just everything is focused.
1: So that's interesting because it could maybe be both of these things or separate. Maybe they're, well, I'll speak them out loud and then we can see, but on the one hand, it can be like a more intense focusing, like a more intense concentration on something. The other way that I've often thought about it is that it's something like all of these disparate parts all of a sudden find a way to connect together. Like maybe I would like, think of those the same. Yeah. So right. So maybe they are the same. So that would be interesting. That there's like twenty different things that maybe through the course of your life you might, on some level or another, be thinking about, and then there's like something, whatever it is, it's a conversation. It's like seeing something in nature that all of a sudden like unites them all. And then like, it's, it is that Eureka, like just things come together. But what's interesting to me, especially if we use the example of a conversation, bringing it on, going back to how we started the conversation that we just used a a sound. Like we just used a combination of sounds that for in some way, this is why I think life is magic that, that induced that. And how weird, like yeah. how weird is that? Because how many times throughout the day are we just, dada, 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 and that's not happening. But like in certain circumstances, in the right place, at the right time, in the right way, something is said and all of a sudden it's just like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, know?
0: that makes me, it's, it's, it's also with sounds, but that makes me think of music. Like yeah, oh, you, you can hear all sorts music. of different tones and melodies and chords, and a lot of them they're just there. But then sometimes they make you feel like that certain way, or like that song ma- I was many playing for ways. you at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. You you can get the, a certain song and you'll just feel like intense body shivers, like memories flashback, or like it'll transport you mentally to, to a different place.
1: And what the hell is that about? Like I love that it happens, but yeah. it's so weird. I mean, this is why this is all just, it's all a dream, but...
0: Yeah, it is weird how certain things just click for you. And I I think another, a different plausible physical description of what's happening, those eureka moments, um, inspired from what you just said about different things coming together finally, is perhaps instead of all of your neurons firing with a, you know, similar thought or working on the same project together, it could be feeling of like a new neuron connection like new Mm. synapses like have touched or like you know it's like a literally a new connection in your brain that like yeah you're working on these different ideas and then maybe even for like a year or more and then they finally touch and you realize they're like connected in some way Mm. and yeah that's like that eureka Mm. moment and that moment is actually facilitated Obviously not only because i felt it tons throughout my life, but that moment is definitely facilitated by drugs. Mm -hmm. If you take like LSD or like a high dose of like cannabis, you can have that sensation of disparate thoughts and ideas and observations that form to connect into something cohesive and focused, like a new revelation about the universe. Except the interesting thing there is it feels like a eureka moment, when you're under the influence of, say, LSD, but then, and it, it might actually be a Eureka moment a lot of the time, like, sometimes it might actually be a realization that sticks with you, but then, also, a lot of the time is, you can't really describe it, wh- what these ideas were, and what this focal point was, and what this revelation that you had actually was, and then, when you're no longer under the influence of LSD, you still, you, you, you can't, it doesn't make any sense to you anymore. So it's like a, a an illusory one, like a false one. Like you had this connection and it seemed like the world was coming together and making sense. But really, it was just like the drugs. Like really, it's it's nothing that was actually a permanent revelation. It was just... Like if you were tried to explain it in the moment to somebody, they'd probably like think it's great that you're enthusiastic about this thing. And they might even feel like try to get what you're saying too because you're so into it. But they probably wouldn't actually know what the fuck you're talking about
1: yeah maybe i mean and i can't explain your experience or someone else's experience for you or for them but the way that i would try to paint that in a more like optimistic light would be that maybe (laughs) well but maybe the point of that is that it's more about the state of being rather than it is any single like realization yeah. yeah it's almost just like it's not that you realize something about something. It's just that you are being in a way that's more right. authentic to like yeah. how we're supposed to be. Or it reminds me, I just want to look it up on my phone quick because um, my, one of the characters that I resonate the most with and anything I've experienced, like in, well, in this case fiction, but just in, um, in art is uh, Guru Patik from Avatar. Avatar. Avatar yeah. And one of the quotes that I love from him is um, the greatest illusion of this world is the illusion of separation. Oh, yeah. Things you think are separate and different are actually one and the same. And he goes on, you know, we are all one people, but we live as if divided. So that just makes me think of that, where like maybe when you're under the influence or maybe when there's these eureka moments of things connecting, it's we're getting to that like next level plane where we realize that as useful as putting things in boxes and categorizing things so we can study them and blah, blah, blah. As useful as that can be like the greater truth to all that is that it is all part of the same thing. It's just like different versions of it or different yeah. manifestations of it. So when we have those moments, we're like stepping outside of it for a moment and like going, Oh yeah. Like here, here it is. Here we all are. <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess. Yeah. The, the experience is, is wonder like that's, that's, Ugh, what, yeah, that's, that's one, one of you're my feeling. favorite words. And I guess, and it may be also a more optimistic way of thinking about these drug-induced wonder moments is it makes you feel wonder about ordinary things, like things that when you're not an influence, you don't feel wonder about. <sighs> yeah. So when you're back to that normal state, it's like, yeah, it's just a chair. And you were enthralled by that chair three hours ago because like... It's,
1: yeah, it's a chair. Yeah, like, like how, how crazy... crazy. That, like, yeah, is that yeah. thing
0: right there? Like, wow! And it, so I guess maybe that's is actually like a good thing. It's good to have. It gives you that like, I guess like childlike sense, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Of of wonder that you mi- you're missing out so frequently, in life.
1: I uh, remember. I don't remember, well, actually. I don't remember when I came across it, but I appreciated this distinction once. Of, it's good to to be childlike, but not childish. Yeah. And I just like that distinction of like the childlike. Is, is something to, to maybe strive for, but not to be childish.
0: <laughs> that might be a C.S. Lewis thing, if I remember right. He wrote an essay that was um, pretty good once, just about writing. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about like something about children's books and how like he at, at contemporaries of his or whatever were making fun of him for reading children's books as an adult and for writing children's books and he was basically yeah, making that point of like being like having that childlike joy for things and i wonder like that's only a good thing mm. it's it's the being yeah the being childish or being th- yeah there's a distinction there that people are try- trying to like at least in, in his essay we're lumping together of like adult is the only way don't be
1: yeah it's funny um, i was with my mom back in october i go up to see where she where she lives in michigan distical visitor and i love the landscape where she is in the time of year it's just pretty anyway um, and we were talking about this a little bit because you know on her bookshelf she'll have either novels or just books that are thousands of pages long and I've read them too that certainly contain value and contain interesting ideas and that are probably worthwhile reading and worthwhile for the writers to write at the same time my mom has a collection of children's books some of them in particular just really beautifully done like not only well written but the illustrations are gorgeous and i swear if i had to choose between the two i would pick the children's books every time because there's something more like distilled and more like accessible about it than sitting through a thousand page tome and reading through it yeah um and again they they probably both have their uses but there must just be something at least for me that is more instinctually just drawn to that like that simplicity that distillation of ideas and beauty and wisdom. Yeah. One thing I was going to say too with the recognizing the mundane as sacred too. I noticed that it's something in my life that keeps happening more frequently which is probably one of the many reasons that those that interact with me every day probably think I'm crazy <laughs> is that I'll just spontaneously be like laughing or be like smiling at things. And in a way, it's kind of sad to realize how much that doesn't maybe happen. But I mean, a lot of examples come to mind, but there was another time like in the fall where I felt like such an idiot, kind of, but not really, where I was just like driving home one autumn morning from uh, like grocery shopping, something you do every day, right? And there was this road I was driving down and the sun was shining in such a way and the leaves were falling in such a way on this road that like it all just overcame me. And I started crying, like, not, not like bawling, but like, yeah. it was just like overwhelming of like, Holy shit. Like look at the beauty and, and the joy of, and the just unlikelihood of all this happening and that it was everyday stuff, but it was like, Oh, and I was so happy that that happened. Cause it's like, wow. I try to take that with me of what you had said too, just like, you know, look at a chair and realize what it what it is. I don't know. It's like, it, it. on the one hand, one might use it as an excuse not to go search for great things, but at the same time, if you can recognize the greatness in the things that you already have, I think both are important uh, personality traits or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, by all means, go see the, the seven wonders of the world and appreciate them for the majesty that they have. But like, also just go and like, look at your table, yeah. look, look in someone's, look in someone's eyes. That should be something we do sometime. Cause I don't think we ever have is to just like pro prolonged eye contact, <laughs> prolonged eye contact. No. But, um, yeah. that kind of thing.
0: And that's true though. And it also speaks to, you know, the power of, of thought and how, you know, everything is modulated by your thought anyway. So like, if you're you can manage to have a wondrous or you know you could call it noetic experience when you go to see one of the seven wonders of the world you can't have that anywhere because it's still just being manufactured by your your brain like you can manage to come up with that same wonder and joy and like awe mm-hmm. at anything. yeah, really
1: yeah I think so especially people I mean animals too I mean again this applies literally I think to anything. But what's cool to me about like just people watching besides just the interesting behavior in that, but it is like that recognition that each of us is the culmination of billions of years of like stars exploding and matter changing. And I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, it blows my mind when I think about all of the, the things that had to happen that just lead to us talking right now. I mean, it, oh, I look at my hands and it's just weird that, like <laughs> I make my friend Tara at work laugh all the time. Cause like sometimes I'll just be sitting there going like just moving my hand or like standing up and standing down. Like how weird is that, that I can just do that. And like,
0: I mean, Oh yeah. And that's the thing that people, including myself take for granted on more than one level. Cause you take it for granted just in that cosmic sense of like, wow, it took, you know, so long and so many chance processes for this to happen. But at the same time, it's like, or the Like the other way you take it for granted is, you know, when you're 65 sitting up and sitting down again, that's going to be a difficult endeavor. <laughs> I'm and already enjoying it, it now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. most people probably will at that moment be like, oh, why didn't I like find enjoyment in just being able to walk when I was 20? Yeah. So if you can, and you know, if you do do that, then that's great. <laughs> you, you won't have that regret when you're 65 and can't walk in as well.
1: I don't remember if I brought this up. Anytime we've talked or in a previous podcast, but I remember reading a book and I'm gonna forget the name of it now, but I'll find it and send it to you if you're interested. But there was a the guy that wrote the book talking about the two different forces that are, are at work in the universe, at least two, that seem opposing but that sort of feed each other. And you know, on the one hand, one is entropy, that everything is decaying, everything is kind of dissolving or destroying and falling apart. On the other hand, there's evolution, which is growing and changing and becoming more sophisticated. And so on the two E's, on the one hand, entropy and the one hand, evolution. And that like they're, they're creating a friction against each other that's producing something. But uh, I forget if he mentioned that there was a specific force behind entropy. But what I liked in a romantic sort of way that he said was the force behind evolution was like love at the end of the day. Like it was one way of looking at it, that the thing that's driving life and things changing is like it's something like this ultimate love that's i don't know causing things to continue and again admittedly it's just it resonated with me because that's just the way i look at the world but at the same time it felt like there was something to it because like what is behind it if if anything i mean i guess it could just be particles and atoms like smashing together in certain combinations but
0: i don't know i mean even that's attraction Right. So, um, right.
1: So it just depends what you mean.
0: I guess it, that, that brought me too close to like the law of attraction, which is not uh, something I abide by, but um, I think it depends how you mean it. Right. Cause, cause
1: that's the thing. I, I mean, honestly, I've heard people talk about what they think it means. And I, I mean, well, I might disagree, but there are other ways that I've heard it described or that I will think about. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Like, why, why not? So again, it's almost like it's a choice, but anyway,
0: yeah, but um, what you're saying about love—that is something that I've heard people who are more philosophical theologians say, like they, they would define as like you know the the power behind the universe, or like God or whatever. They're just like God is love, mm-hmm. um, or like that that the the power or like the uh, the underlying unity or creator force of the universe is yeah, love mm-hmm. as like a concept rather than as a personified thing. So, that finally leads to one of the things
2: <laughs> I have on my sure, list. Sure, let's start with this list. Well,
1: this was, like, what is your definition of love? Or, like, what does that look like to you? I have a few lists. There's the one I made for today, and then there was the one I had last time. So, yeah, like, what, what is it? And I know there's that song. What is that? But, like, how do you define it? Or, or what does it, like, mean to you? Hmm.
0: I guess one way of thinking about love would be like wanting goodness wanting wanting like if you love someone or love like an animal like you want good things to happen to them you want them to be happy but then another way that i normally feel love more is like adoration or like like i guess attraction like wanting to be around the person or thing or idea mm-hmm. like if i love music i want to have that music by me. If I love a book. I want to be engaged. Like, so bringing things closer, mm. I guess would be the vague concept. Mm. Things that you bring are towards you rather, to rather than you push away. Yeah.
1: Do you think it's something that you can, it's something that just is there. Or do you think it's something you can cultivate? Like, do you think it's something you can make or build?
0: Um, I guess it would depend on how it's framed because I don't think it's something that you can like control like specifically like, you know, Jamie Lannister's line of, you know, we don't choose, who we we don't choose whom we love. Um, I think that's definitely true. You don't like make a decision to love someone. But also at the same time, I do think you can cultivate yeah, I do that too. love. You can choose... In a sense to like broaden your mind or like try something new or like have a positive attitude to something that's incoming, which will make you a lot more likely to embrace it rather than reject it. Like you you can try to flip that switch in your brain. So I guess it would be more like adopting a loving attitude where then you would be more likely to to love just the things around you rather than like a spotlight of love. Of like, I'm going to love that thing. That's what I would think. What about you?
1: Like many or most, it's some combination of both, right? Because there are certain things that over the course of life just will attract you or will stand out to you. Yeah. And the reasons for that are mysterious to me too. And at the same time, there's something that I think as I've gotten older, I almost respect more about the choosing it too. Like, again, I think it's both. And man, is there something powerful to be said for just being enthralled by something that's sort of outside of your control. But at the same time, I think whether it's a person, whether it's a goal, whether it's like a craft or whatever, like there's almost maybe, maybe something that means more to me about the love that you choose, like that you make like a decision that I will continue with this, even if it gets hard even if it's difficult, that I won't drop just at the first sign of trouble or difficulty. It's like, even when that comes along, like, I will choose
0: this. But don't you think that in making that choice, you've already, you're already in love with that thing?
1: Probably. But
0: like, you only make that choice if you love it.
1: But how many times do people face difficulty and then give up? And is that an indication that they didn't really love the thing? Or was it? I mean, I don't know.
0: Cause I mean, I guess love would then wouldn't be binary. Like there's a strength, yeah, of love. Like, yeah, if you if things get hard and you you drop it, then did you really not love it enough or love it? In I feel the like way you probably that... still loved it, but like, you you love other things more, I suppose. Because mm. I don't think it's just a yes no love, not love. It's probably like a how much love. Yeah, and like it's like competing interests, you know? Like, do you love? convenience more than you love something else and if something gets in the way of your convenience then it's like well you might have loved the thing but you love convenience more so Mm. it's like it's not i feel like i guess when talking about specific loves it's not like it's all working in harmony Mm. you have to choose like which one to love more which one to spend more time on just like with relationships like you can't spend time equally on all of them or as much as you want on all of them you have to sacrifice some mm-hmm. and it that, does, does, that does, it does can, doesn't mean you don't love them at all you know
1: that came up that concept came up in a book that i just finished reading with a friend uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck have oh, you yeah. ever read that book i haven't read it but yeah familiar. i'd recommend it i i enjoyed it but um anyway that came up just that rejection actually can be a positive thing in that sense because and it isn't something that should necessarily be avoided because sometimes i think modern people maybe have this idea that if you're acting in from a place of love that right you're giving like equal time and equal attention to all things and it's like that's one it's probably not realistic but yeah. but that it's okay to prioritize things but then the important thing is just to figure out what your priorities are and then i suppose stick to them yeah it's something that i think about often, and I don't know if I changed my mind, but I just haven't made up my mind about it. Where is it, again, quote unquote, better to live in a a state of being more open to things changing and not keeping things as fixed. And I think that tends to be the side that maybe comes more naturally to me. And yet there's the uh, this other side that also wonders if like do you use that and i'm speaking to myself like use that as an excuse not to like commit to something or dedicate yourself to something or someone yeah but anyway is when it comes to like love in the like human sense are you familiar with the love languages yeah do, do you know what yours is or do you have one like, what, what are they all again there's like five of them right and it's like let's see if i can remember gifts and like and acts of service so acts like, of service quality touch. time touch Quality time, yeah. And what's the other one? Gifts one? Of words of affirmation. Did, did you, we say that?
0: Words of affirmation, yeah, that's one.
1: Is there one that you um, to receive?
0: Well, first I'll say that I guess in a lot of these things, I'm 50% hesitant of even giving credence to the topic.
1: Well, we don't even have to use that framework then if it's something you're not comfortable with. I just wonder like you as a human, like you as a person, like how does someone to you
0: show that they love you? Um, to receiving love, (laughs) I guess like probably like words of affirmation. Okay. Quality time.
1: Yeah. Quality time is mine.
0: Probably those. Okay.
1: So that's how someone can show you that they love you. Yeah is by spending quality time with you and then saying nice things to you about you. (laughs) I think, yeah, that's probably what it would be. Okay. Is there, well, I guess this would just depend on each person. Is there a way that, is that how you would like give love then to, I think it's
0: different. Like giving, okay, well, I guess it depends on who I'm giving love to and what the context is. Mm -hmm. But if it's like a romantic love, then like touch is definitely a way I give love. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Also words of affirmation. Those are probably the two biggest ones. Okay. On on the giving end. Yeah.
1: Why is it important that we do that? Or is it? I mean, I think it is, but...
0: The words of affirmation? Well, just that we show or
1: express love, this thing called love that humans, including myself, seem to be rather preoccupied with.
0: (laughs) I mean, like in a deep, deep, why way, I, I don't know. But like in a lesser, like a more on the surface way, it's like, I don't know, it's... Increases your self confidence, makes you feel valued, and like you matter in the grand scheme of things. Like, if you died, somebody would care, Mm. or like that you're making the world a better place, even if just through one person who appreciates your presence. Mm. I like that. But then, like, why that stuff? Then it gets harder to answer. Like,
1: yeah. Why does but that maybe, but too? maybe that's enough. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, At a
0: certain point, five wise down, nothing makes sense.
1: <laughs> Did I sent you that video on absurdity? Didn't I?
0: Oh yeah, actually, I have not watched that. I, that was one of the ones where, I was like, text passed by, and then I forgot about the the video.
1: Well, I can either resend it to you, otherwise, I think it would be something you'd enjoy. But we, can talk about that podcast or not sometime because I think you'd appreciate it. I, one of my friends sent that to me and it's funny because he did this just today just with something else but when he sent the video he's like i watched this and uh i immediately thought of you and i think it does a really good job of explaining like sort of my outlook on life and my attitude which to a lot of people seems kind of bizarre so to see that in a video uh was nice but i and you've done this before too and i think i think we've done it with each other but it's like one of the most meaningful things to me when other people find videos or art or music and then send it to you and be like hey this reminded me of you and for like again for someone like me that's just like i'm seen or i'm heard or i feel valued or i feel loved because somebody else like saw me in in that and like if, if i hear it or see it and resonate with it it's like oh I don't, again, that's another thing that I can't really describe what it is, but. Does that fit into the
0: love languages at all?
1: Being seen or heard or valued yeah, or like something. Yeah,
0: like being seen. Yeah, I feel like we're yeah, like being. Quality
1: time maybe. I mean, I don't identified. Know. Yeah. Well, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Anyway, those are yeah. some questions I had about love.
0: <laughs> I had a thought, but I I lost it.
1: Well, maybe it'll come back. One of the other things I wanted to make sure I asked you this time around, I was going to do it the first thing just so we got to it and this person could listen to it, but (laughs) we're a bit in now. And uh, anyway, um, this was a question that my grandma wanted me to ask you. Okay. Or just me specifically? Well, you specifically, because you are who I'm talking to, but I think she's listened to some of our other podcasts and has enjoyed them. Okay. So she would just be curious to know, I think your thoughts on this um does she listen to the whole whole episode? I think well, so. It, okay. I, well, yeah, otherwise I can always just tell her what like timestamps to really go so. to. But the question was um you know my grandma, she's on the older side, um certainly older than me, hopefully. The question that she had was what would attract young folks, like teens to 30s to want to connect with old people? Like for example, Spend some time in conversation. Visit an art museum. Go see a movie together, etc. Like, what could like an old person do, or what what would an old person have to be or or do, in order to like attract that from younger people? Hmm. That's a hard one. It's an interesting question, isn't it?
0: I feel like with so many things, like interpersonal relationships, especially. If it's not like a very close friendship or like a, it's a just blossoming friendship or it's it's a friendship yet to be formed. There's this worry that the other person doesn't like you very much mm. or doesn't really want to be spending time with you. And like you so you don't want to be the one to put yourself out there and ask them to do the thing. You'd want them to ask you, but they feel the same way. So it's just not going to happen <laughs> unless one of you flucks up the courage to, to do it and to expose yourself and have the chance that, you know, maybe you'll be rejected. And I feel like that problem only widens with generational gap. Mm. So it's like, there's this sense, I probably both ways from young people to old people and from old people to young people of like a judgment and also like a distaste or like a difference that's hard to overcome. I feel like if you are an average teen to 30 year old, if you come across an old person who like isn't your grandma or even maybe is your grandma, you might think that they disapprove of you or your, your ideas and thoughts or your behaviors. And then you might disapprove of their everything too. It's like, you know, boomers versus it's like (laughs) just, just the word boomers like has all those implications in it that like, I do not like you
1: or like. Interesting. That's the, that's the connotation that it has for you.
0: Well, not just like, I feel like, I know what you mean. I you mean, don't it's like it's like othering someone, you know? It's sure. like I am not a boomer, you are. We have different values or different ways of seeing right. the world. It's not yeah. necessarily that I automatically hate you just because you're a boomer, but by classifying you as a boomer, I'm saying like we're different.
1: Or making assumptions that
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like just that is hard to overcome. So then what would make it easier for a young person to hang out with an old person is if an old person made the effort Mm. To express interest Mm. in the young person. So then, like, the the, you know, if a a 30-year-old doesn't have to be the first mover, Mm. you know.
1: Yeah. Something that just popped into mind that I think is related. Do you feel like you have any mentors in your life? Like, is there anybody that mentors you?
0: I feel like I've felt like that over the... Like, at times in my life. But right now, not really. Okay. Because,
1: like, I wonder if... In part, that's something that is maybe missing in our society now. Yeah, I mean, I every person's situation is going to be different, but for those folks that maybe don't have close relationships with their parents, I wonder how many of them have like an older or adult figure in their life that cares for them or tries to guide them or just is there for them. Um, so maybe that's partly into it. I've thought about the question, too, since she told me to ask you that, and one of the things that I immediately went to is just like, okay, again, practically speaking, well, what could an older person do? Because I think that's how the question was worded, and like, I guess you'd have to go to a place where young people are, or either go into or or create some sort of like social media <laughs> presence, like where you would meet them, which is a virtual way of doing it. And then right. like put yourself out there. And the the answer to me seems so simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy of just like, oh, you'd have to just ask. Yeah. And like you said, that would include putting yourself out there and then possibly getting rejected. But maybe that is as simple as it has to be, if not as easy, but as simple as just asking like and maybe for young people, for older ones too, is just if you want to, if you want something, you kind of have to ask for it. Yeah.
0: Or you have to. It would take great go for it. Perseverance, because I imagine you don't see many yeah. 20 year olds hanging out with 50, 60 year olds or whatever it is. So I would imagine that any person on the older side who's trying to go out there and ask a younger person to spend time with them, they would encounter a lot of rejection before they finally get their first yes. Yeah.
1: Well, not to mention. And it's not that there aren't reasons for it, but the caution that young people might have in a case like that. I mean, it maybe it's the case between any time humans interact. Period. But you know, I feel that there's a certain stereotype or a certain stigma that, like, if an older person is coming to a younger person and wanting to spend time with them, that you know what, what I mean. What's predatory?
0: Yeah, I feel like it would depend on the age. Like, if you're doing it to like a ten-year-old, then it seems more predatory than if you're doing it to a thirty-year-old. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And isn't that kind of sad? I mean, again, not that there aren't reasons for it, but it does, I feel that even in my lifetime, I've seen a difference in the way that humans interact with each other. Like I seem to remember, at least when I was younger, that like even just going to the grocery store or being in any public place, it's my memory is that people were much more comfortable interacting with each other, like no matter the circumstances and that you didn't have to know them, you didn't have to be family, you didn't have to be friends, that if you were in the same vicinity like you could interact with people and it didn't seem as weird or people weren't as on guard as they are now. Whereas yeah. like I I make a note of it every day and to be fair it might just be my face or something. But like I feel like when I'm going into work when I'm at the grocery store and you know I am walking like I generally will try to like make eye contact and smile with people or at least just you know like head nod or whatever it is. But a lot of people like don't engage anymore yeah. and I don't even know if the past few years with pandemic and everything i'm sure contributed to that even more but but even before that i feel like i was starting to notice it where you know it's kind of ironic because i'm someone that is like a self-described hermit like i love my alone time and being on my own and in solitude and at the same time like i want to apply that respect or that um like benefit of doubt to other people but it and then at the same time it feels strange like being out with people and like not getting that reciprocation or not getting that interaction and i don't know i don't even know where i was necessarily going with that but oh maybe just with older and younger people interacting there's a few barriers maybe in the way
0: there are that makes me think of two things uh the first probably if if the onus is being being put on old people to befriend young people then a good place to start would probably would be get a job that young people work at like even if it's like part time like you're just because then you're actually going to be around the young people and you can befriend them as coworkers, and then move on to trying to go see a movie with them. Or not. Mm. Like, I remember when I worked at Domino's, I was a teenager and most of my coworkers, workers right, like half of them anyway, were at least 10 years older than me. And there were a few there that were like 60, or like 50, like the delivery drivers. Some of them were like full grown, like adults with children. And there's even a few that had, you know, their children were already graduated from college. So it's like, you would be friends with them and like talk with them and joke around with them at work. And then probably you, you got to move in stages, I guess you prefer them at work. And then you have a collective group outing as a workforce. And then, you know, now you're hanging outside of work, but it's not just with the one sixty year old in the group, it's with everybody there. And then after more time getting comfortable with them and doing those sorts of things, then you try to narrow down the group until, yeah, it's still hard to do, and there's lots of barriers in the way.
1: This is another case of it being situationally specific, but do you have a general feeling about yourself, like how long it takes for you
0: to bond with someone? Um, long time, I think. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, okay, here's here's the thing. I feel like I can become friendly with people very quickly. Okay. Where we will think well of each other. Mm-hmm. And like, oh yeah, they're cool, and like, people will talk to me. And I I actually go out of my way quite quickly, especially like in a work context. When I'm at school, I don't really talk to anybody. Um, But like in a work context, I usually, the first time I see someone, I ask them questions. Like, you know, just probing their nature, I suppose. It's like icebreakers, I guess. So I've talked to them right away. It's not like I'm shy in that sense. But like, do we actually like become friends with the person? Actually friends? I feel like it takes a long time like there was I've, like for my last job i had friends where we were only work friends for like two three years until we became outside of work friends too
1: so is that the threshold or like what marks the difference for you it's, st- it's spending time with them outside of whatever context yeah and then it like, happen like, to be yeah it's like them. work
0: friends and then yeah spending time outside of the original context in which you met them then they're like probably friends okay and then I, I would think of them as actually like being good friends if you spend one-on-one time with them
1: interesting okay
0: huh that's how i categorize my mind though
1: interesting
0: like because if if i hang out with a person outside of work but it's always in a group of like three other people we're friends but we're not like <laughs> really it's, we're not like there's no way we're best friends if i'm never spending one-on-one time with you you know interesting how do you see it
1: i don't i don't know I probably should be thinking of these answers before I ask the questions. <laughs> I feel like I bond with people very quickly, but I appreciate what you're saying about having the different like categories of like how you would describe them. I don't know if it's a positive or a negative thing. What I just said about um, sort of forming bonds quickly, that probably says more about me than it does anyone else. But because um, that's gotten me into trouble, but I feel like maybe it's something like trying to empathize with people. Because that's why I was surprised when you said it takes a long time. Because you're someone that strikes me as being very gregarious, and people like being around and enjoy talking to. But I liked hearing that from your internal, I don't know, you know, code or your own subjective perspective. That that even if that's happening, even if like the there's chemistry, that doesn't necessarily mean that it reaches a certain level for you. And I guess I would agree. I mean, I, this could be another question for you, but so like, what is, maybe you said this, like what categorizes like a good friend is someone that you can spend one on one time with and presumably enjoy it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. Is frequency involved with that?
0: Um, or is it more quality over quantity i guess frequency like for me personally i feel like frequency isn't as involved as that like i feel like i consider someone a good friend if i spend one-on-one time with them once a year Mm. and we really enjoy that time like i could i would still consider that person a good friend Mm. but i feel like other people don't i've had at least a few cases where i let a whole year go by before wanting to spend time with another person again and they had considered us no longer friends and didn't want to anymore because they'd like moved on with their friendship life Interesting. And I was like, "Oh, I okay. That sucks. <laughs> Thought we were friends." Do you ever talk? Do you ever like express that? I, I, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, but but it still was just yeah, it didn't work. Um, <sighs> yeah. So like, I guess frequency can matter, but to me, it's I feel like you can still have a good close friendship. With, I guess maybe, maybe like frequency of even communicating is important too, because mm-hmm. like you and I, we like we text much more often than we physically see each other. Mm-hmm. But like. I, like, a few other friends, like, I don't really communicate with them unless we're hanging out in person, mm. like Ian Nelson. Mm. Like, I don't really text with Ian.
1: Congratulations, Ian. You're a father now, by the way. Yes. In case
0: he's you're listening father. to this. But I still think of was as a friend and we only, like, see each other, like, once a year. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, one thing else that you said that made me think of this is maybe my, like, thoughts on this kind of thing have changed and evolved over time to the point where I categorize it more like I did um like not really friends until we like can hang out with each other because it's been my experience where like i've had like work friends and i feel like we're bonding and like we're opening up to each other about personal things and telling each other like we're really like close and like buddy buddy at work but then it seems like they don't want to hang out with me so Mm -hmm. i'm like you must just not like me very much then if that's the case (laughs) so like how can i think of you as my friend if you seem like like you don't want to spend time with me outside of work.
1: Interesting. You know, well, it might come back to what you were saying earlier, which I agree with about, you know, when it comes to love and then having to decide how, how that's going to be distributed because we're not able to give everything we have to every person at all times. So it might be that they really love spending time with you at work, but they have a full yeah. existence outside of it. And it's not that that you don't mean something to them or that they don't enjoy their time with you but like when when they're outside of that you know maybe they've got their family maybe they've got something else going on that you know yeah. i've tried to apply more grace in that too over the years and something that i read recently that really it seems so like many things it seems so obvious after i read it or but then like once i started like combing through my life and realizing how little i did this i was like, wow. I'm so glad that I'm able to call myself out and try to do better going forward. But the thing that I read was rely on agreements, not on expectations. And I realized like throughout a lot of my life, particularly when it comes to, or when it came to relationships, I would judge people on expectations that I had that we didn't have agreements yeah, for.
0: Like it wasn't like, said out loud. Yeah.
1: Like, that it was, and that's not fair. Like that's, right. that's, that's, you know, that's that, that's
0: like waking up and being mad at someone because they did something in a dream.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, I still think this is wrong. But one could argue that if you're in a friendship or you're in a relationship, there's always that thing of like, well, you'd hope that they, the other person would, would do something or act a certain way. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that that's not that's not good. <laughs> like that's yeah. not fair. It's not realistic. And that's why I know for me, I I hope an area I'm growing in is speaking things, like communicating clearly even when it's difficult to and that maybe like what we were saying earlier, like if you want something to happen you have to ask for it or yeah. at least put it out there with the other person and not just like magically hope that <laughs> yeah, just like, they'll read my mind or they'll, you know, look into my eyes and know that I want them to say this thing in this moment. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that that's that.
0: I do think though, <laughs> like like I was saying, I you know, talk to people right away, like when I meet them, I one thing I have learned about myself is that I think I'm an oversharer. Um, ah
1: welcome to the club pal no we're
0: like there's been moments where like immediately or like a few minutes after i said a thing i was like they probably never would have divulged that much information to me (laughs) and i just did to them so
1: well this might just be because i'm cut from the same cloth but i generally think that that's a trait i appreciate in people and that actually i think other people do too like anything there's a time and a place but this ties into another question I had. I think it comes back to trust. And if you if you are a person, or you exhibit yourself in such a way where people feel that they can trust you, you get you get away with it a lot more. Or your people feel more comfortable with it. Like if if you give a weird vibe and then you're sharing things that you maybe shouldn't, like that totally turns out differently. But yeah. um, but hearing from other people, and I provide this feedback to them. Like for instance, one thing I appreciate about our relationship or our friendship is the fact that that's a part of it. Is like there's the playground, or a phrase I use with people is like a meta lab, where the understanding is that once we're in that space, more or less, there's nothing that's off limits. Yeah. And you don't find that with everybody. And even when like you think that you have that understanding, there still might be certain territory that you get into that all of a sudden it's like, Oh, there was the the buzzword. There was the red flag and maybe I just haven't found it yet, but I do feel like I have that with you and that's something that I, I appreciate. Yeah. So, so then the other question I had was like, how do you know or how do you establish trust with someone? Like, how do you know if you trust someone or not? If you can even say,
0: Um, before I answer that, I just want to say that I'm aware that several strings back in the conversation, I said I had two thoughts on the subject and I, no, I, I'm just saying I forgot what it was. Oh, okay. So I'm just, you know, closing that off, acknowledging that that I didn't completely forget about it. I just forgot what it was.
1: (laughs) Are we getting old now? (laughs) Because I feel like I've said that a few times too. Yeah.
0: Or maybe it's just... Uh, each pop- to podcast episode goes by, I will progressively forget more, more and more of, things of what I intended. All say. the more
1: reason for us to talk more to try to remember them, but then it'll it'll be a vicious
0: loop. But we'll just forget more. But so how how do I know if I trust someone? Yeah, I guess it would. I, don't, I there's no specific formula for this one that I've got, but it would be something like amount of times they've followed through on their word. Mm, like
1: that's a good answer.
0: If I don't know what the amount is, but like you know, if we make plans and then the plans happen. That's like one trust point. Yeah. And then if it happens a few more times, then it's like, okay, I didn't mean to trust them. Or, you know, like if, I guess observations of how they behave, if they seem like an ethical, you know, person who's, you know, trustworthy or like truthful, I guess, is the non-circular way of saying that. That goes up there too. (laughs) (laughs) And also perhaps how observing how they talk about other people too. That's a good one. Because... This, they lose some trustworthy points if i is because this has happened you know probably like everybody experiences this where you're with a person and another person and they seem to be getting a well fine together and then as soon as one of the person one of the people goes away they, they're like they show you that oh they didn't actually like that person at all it's like
1: oh that's awful
0: so it's like i, I don't know there's a insincerity there that yeah inauthenticity
1: yeah that's, that's one of my yeah. well insincerity too yeah and that's, I think, on my hierarchy of values for whatever Brian is, like that's maybe number one is like authenticity. And yeah. if that's not there, then...
0: I don't know how true this is. I guess people listening will have to judge it for themselves and maybe I'm just a liar or don't know myself. <laughs> but I like to think that I don't talk bad about people behind their back mm-hmm. or at least that I do it less than I perceive it to be in the general populace. So like if I like hopefully i hold myself hopefully i do actually meet this standard of myself but i like to think that if i interact amicably with a person that i will not you know just go around and talk trash them the next so as soon as you get back
1: home god that brian wouldn't shut the fuck up
0: i feel like a lot of the people that i have expressed disagreements and problems with like to other people, I've also brought that up to the person himself. Good. Like well, I've had arguments good. and like debates and like heated like we've like yelled at each other and yeah. kinda of thing, like you're wrong about this. So I don't I don't know. I hope we've, I hope that's true.
1: We've never had that, have we? Not that I can remember anyway. I don't think I think maybe like, there's don't... one
0: time that it was close to that, but yeah, I don't really think... <laughs> Do you remember what it was? It was probably I think it was probably about our diametrically opposed diets. Oh. Back like five years ago or something. And we got into like a heated argument. I don't know. No, I think it was approaching that, oh, but it didn't actually get interesting. there. I well, think. that
1: could be a cluster of ideas that we could explore sometime if yeah. you ever want to. Yeah, it would be interesting. By the way, it's one of the things that I mentioned to people when I talk to them about you is that one of the, of the many things that I appreciate about our relationship is that like, even if we've arrived at different conclusions and like, starkly different conclusions about certain things that we still have the ability to like sit down at the same table and like yeah exchange ideas and be friends like that may be more than anything right now and this sounds like like i can hear people gagging when they hear this but like honestly i think if there's anything that the world needs more of it's that like but seriously you know what i mean like people that even if you disagree on stuff can sit down and like still like love each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What I was going to say earlier is how I, I agreed with everything that you said about how you know if you can trust someone. One of the other items that I would add to that list for me is how terrible a thing I can say and they won't leave. <laughs> like, like how awful an idea that I can bring up. And not only will they not leave, but then their reaction to it. Like if That's they, a good point. if they play along then with me or if they like try to one-up me or if they just laugh or if they you know, if they don't run away screaming, yeah. <laughs> that's usually when I know I'm like, Oh, that person I can. Right. Yeah. I guess trust. like in the, in the, that
0: same vein, cause that, yeah, that is true. Like how much do I feel like I can say to this person Yeah. and like, will they take me charitably or will they like just kind of one dimensionalize my thing that I'm saying to think like, Oh, you're a shitty person. Cause you just mentioned the concept of necrophilia to me, like gross. Like it's not <laughs> automatically assuming that I'm all for an idea that I just said yeah. rather than like accepting like, oh, maybe i'm I'm just discussing yeah. a philosophical We're just talking point. about it, yeah, yeah, or you know that that was one example that i I encountered last year where I was just like asking people questions about necrophilia, and it was interesting to me how much resistance I would get from various yeah. people, just like right out, no reasoning, just like stop talking to me about this, wow, so like yeah, if I feel like I can't express something to someone, then yeah, trust really points I guess go down a little bit too, do you trust me? Yeah, I think so. I think I trust you quite highly. I feel like, the, like, like you were saying with your playground or metal lab. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, there's, I don't know what ideas I could broach to you that you would reject <laughs> or like not be willing to engage with. Mm. But that, yeah, that's definitely not, not true for everybody. I feel like a lot of people that I talk to, I have, and it, it's not good. I feel like, I feel like it shouldn't be the case. Um, but I feel like I have certain t- topics. I'm like, you know, I should not bring that up with this person because they're only going to get mad about it. Mm. So not I don't. Or like, you know, I do once find that out. I'm like, well, okay. guess I won't again.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I said it already, but all the more reason why I appreciate this. Because, yeah, I don't feel that with you. I don't think. That would be interesting territory to explore, going back to the clusters of ideas. So that can be my, not assignment, because that's not how I view it, but that would be something I would look forward to of like, ooh, like what are some areas that Wade and I haven't ever gone into
0: before that, I don't know, yeah, we could explore. I thought you were about to say like that that would like upset me or like... Well, that could be too. I, like
1: That I, would be an interesting exercise too, by the way, especially if we're taking seriously what it is that we just said we enjoyed about each other, that if they're... If we feel like the the playground or the meta lab is there like it would be an interesting experiment whether it's on the podcast or not probably not <laughs> maybe the well i don't know whatever i mean if it's really
0: just like trying to see how egregious we can be then probably not on the yeah
1: but but even just like what are buttons that we can push or potentially push but done in a space where we acknowledge that like i kind of don't like the term anymore but like but that is like you're truly in a safe space for it yeah. where it's like you can express like things that are hard or things that are difficult or sad or like ugly and it's okay. Like you can do it in this context and I'll be here and I won't run away. That was a definition I had for love not too long ago with someone was that like, you know, if I say I love you, it means that I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. Like, you know, depending on what, what we're
0: talking about. But that anyway. actually brings up a quick, interesting little thing. Cause I feel like, the word safe space has seemingly has two different uses that are like opposed. <laughs> yes. One of like safety from reproach of ideas, like you can say whatever you want and it'll be fine because this is a safe space,
1: which that's the kind I mean. But then, and
0: then there's the other safe space, which is safety from ideas. Yes,
1: yeah. nothing bad will happen here. Like, yeah, that's like we like won't what challenge you, yeah, or yeah. like
0: bring up things that find that you find uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I prefer the first. Yeah, that's like...
0: a, I guess that's not that's something I really thought about of how like. That's changed. Safe space is two things,
1: and and particularly with universities, like I feel like safe spaces used to be what we were, you know, what the first definition would be. Like here's a place where we can discuss ideas, bring and out any of these ideas, it. and right, and you'll be free to do so, and we'll do it respectfully, but in a way that can challenge us. Whereas it's to, it, to me, in many cases, it seems like it's gone the opposite, where it's like, oh, we can't hear anything that would upset us or that we might disagree with.
0: Yeah, that does seem to be the portrayal of it, but I haven't f- experienced these university safe spaces firsthand. To well, be that's able to good. Judge I mean, if it is that the first one or the yeah. second one.
1: Well, and you're in a university, or what is it called? It's a university. It's a university. It? Yeah, anyway. Well, okay, so I think we got to two topics on my list. How are we for time? Is there Probably should
0: end soon. It's been like over two hours. <laughs> Although I do want to say, I actually used to, I did know somebody who would do that or you're we just mentioning of they would purposefully try to push buttons just so they could learn about people mm. like see where their lines are mm. except the thing that was annoying about them was at first they just seemed like an asshole right and then he seemed like an asshole and then after a while i was like i asked him like why
1: why, you? why are you like and, this? and then he
0: explained it to me like Oh, I do this because it like helps me learn about people like I like go for the hardest thing and then draw back.
1: And I I appreciate that. I think if I was to do that and sometimes I do, it's with the understanding with the person that yeah, that's what we're doing. It wouldn't just be that I come across that way. And to be fair, I understand how giving someone that heads up maybe takes away some of the yeah, the power of doing yeah. it. But, but but that would be i think maybe at least for me right now would be the context that I would because i like doing that sometimes I mean I, who doesn't like to find out where people's boundaries are
0: yeah but but for him it just seemed like he was trying to like just yeah trying to piss people off yeah yeah that well but apparently it was because he was trying to better understand them and like learn
1: which is a compliment to them but that's what's sad about that situation is that they wouldn't have seen it that way yeah you know because it's i don't know it's complimentary to want to know someone I think like to for someone to spend time and attention yeah. trying to get to know another person it's I don't know isn't that a quote by Henry David Thoreau I think like the highest compliment ever paid me was someone who asked my opinion and heeded to my answer or something hmm. something like that
0: I but, was just thinking about Henry David Thoreau the other day and well I liked Walden it was a good book it's also like he's often just like given way too much credit or like it's thought of as much more than he was. He was just living in a cabin, a walk away from his house. <laughs> and he just was like, he, it's not like he was ru- living some rugged mountain lifestyle, giving up all his earthly possessions to try and rough it in the farm. And if he couldn't, then he's going to die. Like it, it was like, it's nice. Like he was living in a more nature area with a appreciation for nature but I feel like his accomplishments don't go really beyond the fact that he wrote a book that was good to read.
1: Well, like many legends, or I don't even know, he's not maybe considered a legend, but there's a lot more ascribed to him than, than maybe what he was, but it doesn't maybe take away the importance of like whether or not he actually lives up to all of what people apply to him. What people are applying to him that's through him is still maybe important. Yeah. That's but, valid.
0: Anyway. Well, did you want to have uh one more idea on your list that we could talk about for a few minutes well, before we end? Let's see. I have two questions
1: that I think kind of go hand in hand for me. Okay. Uh, what are you most afraid of?
0: One question at a time. Yeah. Okay. What am I most afraid of? The first thing that came to mind probably isn't what I'm most afraid of, but it was spiders.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should have known that was the answer.
0: I feel like being most afraid of a physical object or a creature is a little bit silly. Like, I feel like the thing that you would be most afraid of is like a concept or like a feeling rather than literally a spider or, you know, all the spiders. Although I will say that I do have spider nightmares, even still as an adult. And oh. I, had, I had them as a child and I still have them.
1: You wrote a good story about spiders.
0: I did. Yeah. And you made a good point a long while back that fear is like... One face of the coin of like fascination or something like that. Oh, did I say that? Not maybe not in in those words. I mean, I'd be happy to take credit for (laughs) that, but (laughs) you you were basically saying that like you, you, some whatever you're afraid of, you are like equally like fascinated by. Oh, yeah. So, like, my writing an entire short story about spiders, despite the fact that I really (laughs) do not like spiders, would be evidence of that. Yeah. If you know that is true. Um, that like you're drawn to it, but also repulsed by it at the same time.
1: Uh, there's something, I don't want to interrupt or anything, but the, there's some quote that doesn't it say something like, um, the only reason that we fear things is because we don't understand them. Like if we understood them, then we would cease to be afraid. So that's where I wonder if that instinct is coming from. It's like you're fascinated by it and it scares you, but the fascination maybe is the door through which, if you could understand it, that maybe the fear would go away.
0: I anyway. mean... I don't know. Maybe that makes sense in some met- metaphorical sense, but like I understand <laughs> spiders. Yeah. So, well, maybe then it's not like the spider itself. It's whatever
1: is scaring you about the spider that you have to oh, come okay. to terms the with. underlying. So thing. like if it's a creepy crawly thing or if it's because it has the potential to kill you, maybe it's like the fear of, you know. The it's fact definitely that it not
0: that, that it has the potential to kill me because there's plenty of other adjacent things. Sure. Like so snakes great. that so I'm this not is, afraid of.
1: This is where that, well, we don't have to talk about it now, but. Like, yeah, what is it about spiders that.
0: Yeah, I will say two more relevant things about spiders, both having <laughs> to do with LSD trips. I think it was on the first time I ever took LSD, I felt no fear of spiders. And I actually was, I was, okay, so I felt like I had spider webs across my eyes and it did not freak me out. I was fascinated by it in that context, circumstance. And I was going outside pushing through the bushes, trying to meet spiders. Like I was seeking spiders out and mm-hmm. I didn't find any, but it was interesting how like I completely lost my fear and it was actually only the fascination was there. Mm. A different time on LSD, the fear was very much there enhanced and I was seeing spiders and everything. Like there was art on the wall that started to look more and more like a spider. <sighs> and then I went into the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I started to like, become a spider and and then i had this idea that perhaps i really am a spider secretly like (laughs) maybe you are my entire life as a human is a delusion or a dream all built for the purpose of rejecting the truth that i am a spider and my deepest fear is myself
1: maybe there's your answer
0: but you know i I don't think i'm a spider or there's
1: something in the spider-ness that you are
0: perhaps yeah and it's it's a rejection of
1: whatever that is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's very, you know, freudian <laughs> or jungian, but um th- that's an idea.
1: Okay. Was there something else?
0: Um well, th- then I was just thinking like what actually is my deepest fear if not spiders? And um I don't know like I think that's a hard one to to know about yourself what it really is. Cuz like there's like isolation which I don't know how afraid I am of that. Obviously I like human contact, but I also like a fair amount of alone time, but like being truly isolated that could potentially be up there. But then also like thinking about like non-existence or like death, not, well, I guess sometimes the act of actually dying, but like the, the no longer being around or like the unknown, I guess Mm. is a big fear that is, you know, right behind the fear of death is the fear of non fear of the dark don't really have that I, okay honestly when i was a child i remember having a lot of fearful experiences just in general really like there were times like my family would put on a lot of horror movies like cuz like my mom and my brother were really into horror movies and i hated them and i would try to like i i would try to avoid them but i like I, it was still the sounds and like i i i just like i was so stricken by terror from all these horror movies that we would watch like the exorcist especially. And then at night, not only on horror movie nights but just when I was a kid at night I would like see things that like would freak me out that were probably just conjurings of my imagination. Like there was this one time that I saw like a ghostly f- uh, woman figure right outside my um glass door to the outside to the backyard and that just freaked me out and there were like you know I had night terrors as a child so like there's just a lot of things that i was afraid of so i thought to myself i don't think i'll ever be capable of living alone like i don't know how i would live alone because when i'm alone at my house at night i get freaked out by everything oh when i was like 10 or 8 or whatever it was but now like if i'm alone somewhere and it's dark i don't have problems so i guess that's gone away so i wouldn't say i'm afraid of the dark so i don't know How about spiders? Maybe what's your fear?
1: The thing that usually comes to mind for me is that I'm someone that tells myself that there are certain ideals or certain values that I hold very dear or very close to me. And I guess what I'd be afraid of is that if like push came to shove, or if I was put in a situation where those were tested, that I would fold or that it it would turn out that I didn't, I hope that I would stand behind them or yeah, that's a good one. You know, like that there's all sorts of things that I tell myself I'm this or I'm that. And like, what if it was the case that I was put in that situation? And then I just like, I, I mean, that would be something that I guess,
0: is it more a fear of like not knowing yourself or is it a fear of like hypocrisy or is it
1: maybe hypocrisy or it's that thing maybe I said earlier of like the inauthenticity Mm, Yeah. of I want to be true to who I am or to whatever. Yeah. And if if the things that I feel are the most fundamental part of me turned out like that I couldn't even live up to them or stand up to them, I think that would be pretty disappointing.
0: <laughs> no, I, yeah, I feel that too. I don't know if that, I don't know like how to rank these. Yeah.
1: Like, the, oh, like, right. Talk, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. What I was going to mention with the uh, fear, we might have talked about it before, even again on a podcast, but it's worth mentioning again. Did we ever discuss the distinction between terror and horror. Have we ever talked about that?
0: Um, no, but I think Stephen Hawking has a distinction. Or not that, Stephen that's... Hawking, Stephen <laughs> King.
1: <laughs> the distinction between. <laughs> yeah. No, he's where I got it from. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I like his, and it's just that my understanding, and I might not be defining it exactly in the same words as he does, but that terror is the anticipation of fear, and mm-hmm. horror is the realization of fear. So I like that where it's like terror is like, oh my God, what's behind the door? What's behind the door? It could be anything. And then horror is when you actually open the door and see that it's a bunch of severed heads or whatever it is. Yeah. So I just, I use that in writing sometimes, like which emotion or which energy am I channeling more? Is it the anticipation of fear? Or is it the realization of fear? Dread. Yeah. Yeah. It's the terror. So then the accompanying question is what brings you
0: the most joy? <laughs> one thing that comes to mind is like learning, Mm. forming those new connections or those Eureka moments or feeling wonder of whether it's like reading a book and learning a cool new thing that I didn't know before that expands my view of the world and my understanding. But then another thing is like creating things, even if they will never come to full fruition. Like for the past like seven years now I've been working on like a, board game that it keeps on changing and evolving and probably will never be finished. The cones of Dunshire. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but the process of making it and thinking of new ideas for it mm-hmm. is fun Isn't that and very enjoyable. So it's like, I think that maybe those things share a common theme of like thought or like the creation of thought is enjoyable. My grandma and I were talking about that the other day of
1: just how, rewarding the process of creation is and that sometimes the final result it can be great it can be whatever i mean it can feel nice to have a completed product or if that's even what you want to call it at the end but really the magic for us anyway was more in the the bringing it into
0: being so for me it's the the initial conceptualization and early fleshing fleshings out of the thing Mm -hmm. rather than the laborious endeavor of mm. working out all of the details. Like for instance, when we used to live together, I would write short stories, mm. like the spider one we talked about a little bit. the The moments that I had of thinking of the plot and characters and world of the story, those were always very satisfying and mm. like moments of happiness. But then the actual writing down of the story was more like a chore mm. because it's like. It's kind of like my mind had already come up with the story and now my hands just needed to get it into paper and like also in like good language that was f- nice to read where it's like I was basically I already I had already satisfied myself just by thinking of it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like oh I got to actually make do it do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that takes discipline.
0: Yeah, and it's not nearly as happy as mm. just the thought
1: is. I wonder to the extent that it's even useful to think about it in these terms. But like, say for instance, the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator, I think when you've taken it, you've gotten different results though. But like, say for instance, I think when you first took it, you were like ENFP and I was INFP and those are often considered sister types, which would explain perhaps why we have a lot of similar traits, but there are still differences. Anyway, where I was going with that, whatever model we use is I wonder if, if, because we have that in common, I think like the part where I get the most enjoyment of is, is the idea generation. Yeah. And then the part where I've struggled or historically struggled, but I think I've gotten better at it as I've gotten older is the disciplining of actually then doing the work. Yeah. Um, so I just, anyway, I wondered like, cause there are other people that have, I think sometimes the opposite problem. They're really good like at, at grunt working they're good at doing like the details and focusing on the nitty-gritty but when it comes to ideas it's like they're lost like yeah. they don't really have a great idea but if they're given a great idea oh okay and then they'll right you know yeah. so anyway interesting so learning wonder eureka moments idea generation
0: yeah i think um it's maybe changed or gotten better for me recently because. Now I haven't been writing short stories, although I still do come up with ideas for them. And I write the ideas down, but I don't write the actual short stories, at least for the past several years. But what I do do is make videos. Mm. So I do find that the creation of the script and writing the script is the enjoyable part. Mm. So that's now that's actually a writing process. Mm -hmm. And then it's the recording the audio, editing the audio, and adding in video to it that is the part that i don't enjoy
1: so it's just shifted but it's yeah, grown it's,
0: yeah it's grown but it's still the beginning yeah of the process interesting and maybe there's a difference there because writing a script is different from writing a short story whereas like the script you can basically just write it like your thoughts onto the page whereas a short story can't your th- thoughts can't just go on the page they have to go into like prose mm. i don't know maybe, maybe it's like expressing ideas of a plot they can't just the plot summary is not the short story mm. you know but it's much more it's not quite one-to-one but it's much more one-to-one for you know script ideas into script mm. so maybe it's still just a straightforward idea generation each of them writing it out but it, that's easier to do than it is to write a short story interesting yeah that's
1: funny because i i see what you mean And I know that something I actually enjoy about writing prose, or in my case, like maybe fiction, is that when I'm writing from a certain person's point of view, it's actually okay that I don't have all the answers because they won't.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So it is, I mean, whereas I think if I was writing like a video script for something, it definitely is focusing more on, well, maybe it doesn't have to be, but like more on the ideas, like having a concise meaning and a concise message. Yeah. Whereas like if I'm writing from a certain person's point of view, it's okay if they don't have like, you know, everything figured out because it's just, I don't know. But then what I'm writing is different too. It's just scenes of stuff, all the themes of life and behavior in there. But anyway,
0: okay. So that's what brings you the most joy. Yeah. Also along those lines, the creative process. One thing I've always had, had always struggled with is winnowing down the ideas into for the final one idea because mm. i guess you can write multiple variations of, the, of the, the, same, the same short story but that's just more laborious or like that's not useful because like who's going to read all of the different ways the story can go and within the one general plot line so it's like i think of all these different ways it could happen and then i have to like decide which one is it mm-hmm. Whereas like with the script that I don't, that's not really there as much. I can just write all the ideas I have, and that's what the script is going to be. Mm. And that also applies to, like making a board game or like card games and stuff. It's like there's all these different ways the game could be, all these different mechanics it could have, and I like all of them. I don't know which ones to choose, so I just like write them all down, and I'm like, I'll decide later.
1: That is the P in the ENFP or INFP, by the way. That openness, that like always keeping options yeah. available rather than like jay making the decision and choosing
0: it's a that's been a lifelong problem really yeah. not just with creativity sure. but just in general
1: me too oh i i hear you yeah <laughs> <laughs> well those are good problems i think
0: yeah well um we've been going on for quite some time i'm sure we could with more because we got through what three of your like three 40 of questions well, 40 uh ideas always the next time unless we die yeah but Do you have any parting words or thoughts, perhaps a recommendation of an activity such as book read, movie watched that I or the person who's listening could do?
1: Well, I mentioned the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Mm -hmm. That was a worthwhile read, which, by the way, I'll mention throughout this conversation i was mentioning there was like a friend that i've been doing some of this stuff with you met him reese who lives in utah yeah um just parting words just to recognize him and you know that being grateful for friendships such as his and such as yours i'm grateful that we have this opportunity to talk and um exchange ideas and like we acknowledged earlier that having that environment of the playground or the meta lab isn't something that you find every day so when it's found it is appreciated (laughs) yeah um i'm trying to think if i've seen any good movies lately this could start a whole other conversation so we don't have to talk about it but adrian told me that at least she watched i'm assuming you watched it with her everything everywhere all at once yes so very
0: immediately became one of my favorite movies
1: that can be a topic for next time
0: Have you watched it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So then that is the movie that you should watch.
2: Okay. Uh, Audience. There's a book.
1: There's a movie. But yeah. Nice. It's supposed to be snowing quite a bit this evening. Not that that maybe makes a difference in anyone's life listening to this now. but.
0: Well, it'll make a difference in my life. I have to drive through it.
1: Yeah. So if you die on the way home, this will be the last. Well, but then nobody will ever probably
0: hear this. Well, if, you know, if the SD card is not broken then or burned yeah yeah then somebody could still hear it despite my being a
1: corpse i can find it and then does adrian have the password to your youtube account
0: well yeah but it's i it's like i just don't log out really it's just you open it up on my computer and i'm logged in so we'll get it uploaded
1: somehow (laughs) if these were your last words is there anything you'd part the universe with
2: uh no (laughs) <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> nah.